Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Today's Sunday session is proudly brought to you by More Beer at www.morebeer.com. I poured it in my mouth and it just wasn't going down. My first beer was an IPA, the best IPA I've ever drank, mostly because I brewed it. If you have a scale that is good for measuring cocaine, you're probably good for measuring hops on cocaine. You're, you're scaring me. <laughs> I think the information is awesome and the audio sucks. Make some sugary water, throw some yeast in there. And you're going to drink good beer. Yeah, it's, it's going to be good. good. It's fine. Oh, God damn it, man. Oh, my God. Oh, uh-oh. Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Man, I don't know if I just caught a contact from everyone coming in from the Lagunitas Beer Circus, uh, but this board sounds fantastic in my headphones. Mm. How's nice. it feel, though? It's got that. It's when I used to when I used to smoke a big fat one and put my headphones on and play my guitar. Like wieners. I, I was always the best guitar player in the world then. Yeah. Because of the fat one. Yeah. That's how this board sounds in my ears right now. How do you think it sounds to everyone else? It's working. You must have put just enough spray in there, finally. No, I got it. I replaced it. Oh, it's a new board. But it's oh. not going to stay, unfortunately, which is kind of... It's why I'm mentioning how good it sounds. I'm, I'm actually kind of bummed. It's not going to work. Oh. But uh, I got to make some adjustments and get another one. Yeah, I do. upgraded. I stopped being cheap this time, and I got a, a Mackie, which is the board that we should have had for the last six years. Hmm. But Really? Uh, it looks exactly the same as the other board you had. But internally... Uh, do you hear me right now? No. I sound crisp. like a million dollars. You sound just I don't the know same if you guys me. can hear that. Oh, yeah. Well, between the static in this ear and the other static in this ear, it's hard. You sound exactly yeah. the same. <laughs> yeah, you're, I have, you're, you still need replacing yes. of your headphone module there. but in, in between my ears. But you're going to be cheap for that, right? That I'll yeah. be cheap. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I, I tried to be cheap with that, and it was still expensive, and it didn't work. So what are you going to do? Good. Yeah, it's got a lot of good bass. Ooh. Yeah, Is bigger, it? bigger frequency or something. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Is that good then? No, the Mackies. They they definitely sound better. It's in there. Mm-hmm. It's in there. Mm-hmm. I got to find one that works. So this one's not going to cut it. Yeah, sound like a cigarette smoker now. Doesn't have enough. Yeah, you got that <laughs> old like morning radio guy. <laughs> I like coffee. Hello there. I enjoy that. Yeah. 
All right. All anyway, right. Lagunitas Beer Circus. What happened today? I missed out on the whole thing. Good times. You guys should have requested a Monday show, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we, no, we just left early. That's all. Yeah. Now what things it? got too weird. It was great. It's great. Yeah. yeah two big it. tents. Uh, yeah. Tons of people this uh, time. Uh, really great security organization. Tons of good food. Any good naked vibes. people? So wait, I don't care about half semi, naked. Half semi naked. naked yeah, you don't sure. care about security? I noticed a lot of side boob today. That was what I, I was really after. Ooh, I like that. Side boobage is good. Yeah. Was there like painted boob and stuff? Don't they usually do like painted boob there? We saw some tasseled boobs. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, that For a less show. So yeah. it's always like a good that. time. But that was tasty. Got a little naked. Okay. <laughs> Chad was in the kitchen like... Nobody's been watching this. Lots of dudes dressed up like chicks, man. Yeah, some nice looking It bras. was weird. Yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah. Actually, that's like, true. How yeah. did you find out? Did you check his ass out and turn around? Like, oh, God. No, I no, know what no. he means. That's that's also very Burning Man, too. Yeah. For some reason, regular straight dudes just like to dress up like chicks every now and then. No. Burning what? Man is, is one place to do it. And you know they're dudes because every other part of them is still like a dude. They got a beard. Oh, yeah. hairy and shit. Yeah. But yeah. they just, they're wearing a dress and stuff. And uh, I could see that at the at the circus. Yeah, it's got, a, it's got a Burning Man vibe to it for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll have to do a Monday show for that next year. We Good times. Go. They're going big, big stage, big sound, two stages. It's uh, it's out of control. That's what they did this year. Yeah. 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 Is there a is, is there a house slut? Ever since Lake Casitas, I feel like every festival needs a, a house slut. Oh, that's rare. You got spoiled, Moscow. Well, I, there you is better. one, but I won't mention her name. Oh, yeah? There was one at, uh, at, like, at the beer circuit? Oh, absolutely. Perfect. Or his name. You never know. There's always a few. And is it, it's the second year in a row that, that she's been there? Every or? event I go to, she's See, there. I'm not spoiled. Oh, I'm realistic. Oh, really? She's every event's house slut. Mm, Here, how about I mute everybody's microphones? Uh-huh. And you tell me who this house I know, I can't is. And you tell me how you know. No, I can't say that. No, I can't. I can't mention it. But there is. There's a local... Uh, well, I, don't uh, yeah, I don't know. Come on. <laughs> oh, he's going to claim denial now. Cats I'm trying to think of... Uh, because... They're everywhere. If, if you know, I, I would think I would know. I try to look for the same whores that you do. Uh, You're not thinking. Tacey's it's a big not... big crowd. It's a big crowd. I guess I'm not thinking. Odds are good. One's going to be there. It's probably more than one. Nate, do you know who we're talking no. about? Oh, I, I gotcha. It's got the written response. Over I got oh. the written response. How was that on the webcam? Did you try <laughs> no, to? No. <laughs> How was that on the webcam? Whoa. I just want to point that out. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's high def enough. I think it, I can I barely think read his okay. writing. I'm sitting right next to him. Should I take you home? Fine. Tasty. No, 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 no. Now she does it there. Did you get a? Did you get a, the house? Did you get a handy behind the stage? Oh, I probably could have. Yeah. <laughs> On a stack of kegs. Yeah, in the I'm brewery. pushing back. I'm. You know. uh, there's nothing better back. than a, nothing better than a handy at a beer fest. Oh, I don't know. From calloused hands, you kind of. <laughs> everyone else is getting their cards punched. How many beers they had? Taste. You had something else in mind. When he's no, around. no, no. <laughs> he was punching something. Yeah. Punching no. park boxes. No, I'm not rolling looking for that all the time. Not all the time. All the time. <laughs> well, I wasn't today. Seventy-five percent, eighty percent. Sounds like Tacey's been there at least once. Got <laughs> a boy. At that least. was Boonville. Now he's oh, moving no, on no. to something else. <laughs> we don't want to start that rumor. Oh, Boonville! I don't remember that, so I can't say. <laughs> Could have been with anybody there. No, I don't know. Yeah. Pretty sure you ended up cuddling with Chad that night. This chick was there too. Uh, that's didn't happen <laughs> for sure. Nate, did you, did you go to Beer Circus too? No, I didn't. No. Unfortunately, I have to try and get in on that one next year. I missed yeah. it. Two times in a row now. It we just, gotta we gotta do a Monday show if we can. Maybe that'll yeah. that'll open up the slot. It so. just sounds like my kind of a beer event, you know. So yeah, all, all the guys are there. You know, it's just crazy. Beer lines were reasonable. Good yeah. selection of uh, Sonoma County beer. All local. 
You see what you did, Jay, by having one Sunday session on a Monday? You've opened the floodgates. Oh, now, how long do you think it's going to last? What, let's, we we, we need to get a Sunday? pool going for how long it's going to be until it's just a Monday session. I know. I didn't get any feedback you know, from the from the listeners uh, about really? whether or not they liked or disliked the Monday session. <laughs> That's cool. So I take that as a yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? My Mondays are blocked out. <clears throat> yeah. I got some mm. feedback in the chat last week saying people uh, are enjoying Nate. On the show. Oh, oh we are too. Yeah. Yeah. That's universal, yeah. I'm we not great. Yeah. I've been getting a lot of feedback about that too. Everyone yeah. likes Nate. No, the, one, the only criticism I saw in the chat was that I wasn't drinking enough uh, to cover Doc's area, so I'll have to work <laughs> on that at some point. <laughs> you might uh, have to do at well, least one drunk show I'm for yeah, that takes I'll have to, years of practice. I'll have to stop driving here and, and really have go off nut, uh, nuts one of these times or something. I don't know. But I think that Nate is even more straight-faced than I am when he's drunk. I, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure I've been around Nate when he's drunk, but I've never been able to go, wow, Nate, you're drunk. Halfway through club night, it'll be probably pretty apparent if I can keep that straight face or I not. think Nate just gets a little more touchy-feely, but he's just like, that's it. He's, <laughs> like, he's still the same. I think I'm the same. I get real quiet. Not I mean, quieter than normal, and I think I would imagine Nate's kind of the, the similar. But I, I, I over right? yeah. overcommit to things that people ask me. Like I'll be at a, I'll be at a, <laughs> right. I'll be at a party, and somebody will be, oh, your, does your band want to play this show coming up in like three weeks? And I'll, I'll agree to that, and yeah. then totally forget about it. Stuff like that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah. Let me hug you while I say yes in your ear. Or you want to do these three beers for Can You Brew It in like three weeks? And I'll be talking to Jamil or something, and I'll agree to it. You know, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, great. Yeah, it's hard not to get drunk at club night at the National oh, Con. That's man. Yeah. It's virtually. I mean, impossible. I got like a dance car, like ten deep, but people want me to come by and try their beer. It's like, yeah. And you, I'm trying to do it, but everybody like keeps you and makes you drink all the other beers there. I know it's crazy. Got a dance card. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna have to it's try true. like 50 versions of Janet's Brown that night. You know that tasty, <laughs> no, right? I, I right. want to try them too. Yeah. I think I'm gonna have three myself. <laughs> Be pretty fun, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Highlight. I, don't, it. I don't Highlight think it. we're doing our regular session show from Club Night this year. Good. I think we're gonna do. Um, just oh. do a meltdown. Just drunk of the week. <laughs> no. Get right on the air and start taking drunk of the week calls. Why am I drawing a blank? What was it called that we did at GABF, our new game? Beer Jeopardy? We're going to do Brewer's Feud. Oh, Brewer's yeah, Feud. Right. Okay, that's good. I like that. Because that was real fun. It was super fun, and I think it engages the audience a lot more, and it's going to allow clubs to, to put together a team, and two clubs can compete against each other. Yeah. We can do like three of them. You know, yep. like two or yep. three of them, and I think that the, I think people will get more out of it than us doing the. We can do a final feud too. Can, can we do, do a bikini winner contest? Takes all. We're going to be in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we're also at a homebrew. Oh, we're also going to be at. Do you really the want to see that? Tell them to bring their wives. Do you really well, want to see that? Well, I know you just came back from Lagunitas Beer Circus, where you just said you saw a bunch of that shit. That's true. You know, saw a bunch of dudes in bikinis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't need to see that shit in HD. Yeah, definitely. Right now, so we're going to win. It's on my mind. Yeah, I guess so. So, so are we going to have a webcam? At, uh, are we people going to see some video? Of yeah, this yeah, stuff? we're we'll, we're still going to stream and webcam and all that. Yes. I just feel like uh, our Sunday session format that we've done for the last five years. I, I think Club Night's outgrown it. Mm-hmm. We did that when when it used to be smaller and yeah. and people had less to do and and we were a form of entertainment. And now I, I feel like there's audio issues every year and uh, getting the audience involved and in all the that, audience right? they get involved, but it's difficult if the audio is not working right. And and yeah. also, you know, trying to balance uh, serious interviews with all the mayhem that's going on. So I figure. Turn on the webcams, we'll do Brewer's Feud, we'll get the, the audience there involved, the people at home can still, they'll get a better idea of the party that's happening, right. and it just it just seems to fit better. Cool. So I think that's what we're going to be doing. I agree. 
can't keep the same format forever. Got to try new stuff, man. Right. Uh, speaking of NHC and Lagunitas, uh, Brew Your Own Beer TV, uh, a, a week ago, yesterday, we aired the Lagunitas episode. That's now available on coffeetv.com. Uh, yes. coffeetv.com slash BYOB or something like that. It is uh, BYOB hyphen TV. There you go. You can go check it out. Uh, there are now four episodes online for you folks at home. And uh, Lagunitas was uh, my favorite one so far. And then we just aired our Cooking with Beer episode last night. That'll be up on the website. And also, uh, BYOB is now coming to NHC. Uh, they've actually got uh, the, the sponsors and the, and the TV station have picked up a booth next to our booth in the hospitality suite. And you can come and meet JP at the booth all week long. <laughs> He'll be signing autographs. Yeah. And, uh, I'll sign your autograph. Cool. Sign what? Autographs. It's, <laughs> it's kind of weird because the reason that the, the BYOB people wanted to do it is they wanted to get more exposure for the show. So they've acquired a booth where they're going to loop all. At that point, there'll be eight or nine episodes out, and they're going to loop them the whole time in the hospitality suite. Wow. Now, it doesn't mean there's, there's going to be, like, blaring or anything. Uh, yeah. It's just going to be your face all weekend there. Which I'm kind of <laughs> feeling is retarded because <laughs> yep. we already kind of have a massive presence at NHC every year, right? Just take over. We do the awards. I'm doing a lecture for that. For, this will be the second year of that. We do our shows from the hospitality suite. And now my big stupid face is going to be on a screen in the suite. Why, why don't they do coffee stuff like Knight Rider, Airwolf, <laughs> San Francisco? I can and then your show once in a while. I can ask for that, but I don't think it's the TV station doing the promotion because, you know, those people can't get coffee. Did just you just hear Bebo's suggestion? Dance party. I Remote can, dance party from NHC. We can try to sneak in Hella some sick. dance parties. So it's going to be weird. You're going to make a celebrity well, Why would you want to do a dance party when BYOB well, is the number one show on this KOFY, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think we're number one yet. We were number one in our time slot. I don't know about this week, oh, but the week before. Uh, but that doesn't mean we're number one on the station. Okay. Oh. Yeah, I don't know that we've beat out like streets of San dance Francisco. Party? Or Come on. Yeah. I think we've beat out dance parties. I, I think, think that's, yeah, we've left that. I mean, they're all produced stuff. I'm not sure. We've done well. But yeah, I couldn't really. See, you know, they asked me, "Hey, you know, is the NHC a good place to promote BYOB?" And I said, "Oh, it's, it's a great place. You know, those are your people, and maybe we can do a national search for contestants next time around." So they agreed, and then when they they came back to me, they said, "Okay, so we've done it, and we're going to loop your stupid face for three days at <laughs> your with commercials." They didn't say you had an option with all your commercials. No, I Push. had no option. No? Oh. Well, some of the I don't know. I got to talk to him about the commercial situation. You don't think the NHC people want to see fifty thousand blue moons back to back to back to back to back to back? I got to figure it no, out. That same little picture. That I don't know what's going to happen with that, but I did tell him I was like, "Look, it's not really your audience to to do that to to bombard them with do one ad." You so. should set up a comer- like a camera and have people homebrewers come in and do the commercials, like your little commercial. The Ford idea. one, you know, like, right. see what they can do. See how they can do it. That's a good idea. I don't want someone to take my job. Just set up a script. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can judge them there at the booth, JP. What we'll do, <laughs> JP and I will do a reenactment to, to kick it off, and then everyone can come in and do a better job. Can we talk about how your big stupid face, how much of an impression it actually leaves? One of my coworkers happened to be watching your show, not knowing it was you, yeah. saw you on that commercial and was like, Hey, I think I saw that guy who gave that speech at your wedding in a commercial. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Wow. Nice. That was a good speech, by the way. I don't know if Bebo liked it. Speech was balls. But I thought it was great. I tell you. Speech was balls. Are, Wedding was balls. People are definitely watching that show, though. Nicole and I went to a bar on Friday, and we were there for about 10 minutes, and somebody noticed her right away. They're like, weren't you on that B 
beer show a couple really? weeks ago. Yeah, really? It's really cool. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. It was nice. Justin wearing a wig. Yeah. <laughs> Fake promotional event. Nicole looked super hot on that camera. I don't yeah, know she if did you well. felt that way, Nate. Oh, yeah. but, uh, she she dolled herself <laughs> up for it. She, oh, yeah. must, you know, you're going to be on TV. Yeah, she she took that to heart and dolled herself up. Well, and, and she looked great on set, too. Don't get me wrong. But when I saw the, the, the footage later, when they sent me the edit, I was like, shit. Nicole looks great on camera. Well, you invited her back, I heard. So that, we invited her back. Yeah. She even found out who some of the finalists are, and she wouldn't tell me. No, she no. was there on Friday. She wouldn't tell me at all. So she knows inside info there. That's top secret. All right, you can get all the information about BYOB TV over at CoffeeTV.com, or you can go to our, their Facebook page, which is uh, Brew Your Own Beer TV on Facebook, and you can check out behind-the-scenes footage and uh, you know get the episodes um, online and all of that kind of stuff. All right, BNA6, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, it's our sixth anniversary party we're doing with White Labs and more beer, and the 21st Amendment is our glassware sponsor for the third year in a row. Very oh, generous of them. Nice. Yeah. And um, we're starting to work on that. Tickets are now on sale. So you can go to uh, bna6.eventbrite.com, or you just go to our homepage, I think. But bna6.eventbrite.com, VIP tickets sold out in uh, two hours. We sold out uh, like 200 tickets in two hours. And um, but there's still general admission tickets which you should go buy and come out to the party. It's like it's it's the party of the week. I mean, there's there's our party and there's club night and and then there's everything in between. I heard lots That's of people are it. excited about uh, taste the, taste whatever Tasty's doing during the VIP. Tasty's well, going to be at our VIP I'm, session. I'm, I'm not yeah. doing that. I'll be at the You're VIP not, session. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. It's That's just going to be too much trouble. Yeah, Tasty's going to be at the VIP session with the rest of us. And so I know there was a little uproar in in the in the forum about it. You know, we didn't get notice about tickets. I was at work. Uh, and so a couple things. For one, I, I absolutely apologize that there weren't enough VIP tickets for everybody and that you didn't get them um, if you didn't. Uh, but Pax, you know, part of our VIP session is, is Paxton's food, and he can only cook so much. That guy's got a huge dinner to cook for NHC. And so we had to, you know, keep it down to a certain number of people. Uh, on top of that, you know, I, I got some criticism about not giving notice. I have been saying on the show for months yep. now, for months, that you need to sign up for Twitter and you need to sign up for Facebook. And then you say, oh, well, I don't do Twitter or Facebook. Well, all right, but I'm telling you the answer to your question. The answer to your question about how to know when tickets go on sale is that you have to sign up for Twitter or Facebook. If you don't do that, then you're not going to know. You're not going to get that instant gratification that everybody else got. Now, the other thing is, I had no idea that we were going to sell out 200 tickets in two hours. That was incredible. Yeah. And and very pleasing. You guys are all, I'm so glad that the party is shaping up the way it is. But how could I know that 200 tickets were going to sell out so fast? So there were complaints about people being at work at the time, and, and I didn't get the message, and, and I did what I could. Uh, so my apologies. There was one person in the forum. I don't understand this. This is uh, ridiculous to me. It, it can't be my fault. But he canceled his entire NHC trip. He had, he had tickets to NHC. He had a room booked. And he, he canceled his entire NHC trip no, he because didn't. he was going to miss out on one hour of, of, yeah. the, of so, the party. Just no, one Just hour. the VIP part. Just the VIP first hour the of, the, of the party. What's wrong no, with that's that part? not why. The sausage isn't that good. Yeah. And I just, thought, I just thought, well, listen, yeah. there was, there's not a thing on this planet I could have done to please this man. Uh, you're gonna cancel your whole NHC week because you don't fun? get All one hour oh my God. of. Uh, so you don't get a. You're not gonna get a sausage from Paxton. Come on, or tasty. Seems, yeah. seems ridiculous. <laughs> so that was weird. And I again, I apologize. If people didn't get uh, all the VIP passes they wanted. But listen. 
Come to the get your general admission ticket. You save yourself ten bucks. All the beer is still going to be there. Exactly. Two hundred people are not going to drink out the beer that we've had. There were some other comments that said by the time I got there in the second hour, a lot of the great beer last year was gone. Oh no, that's a that's blatant not true. No, lie. That's that, not true. Yeah, that is a flat out lie. No. We didn't run out of beer until the very very end of that party. We plan these things for excess beer, and I'll tell you why. Because they go into our hotel room for the rest of the week <laughs> if we have leftover beer. That was just a lie. So don't yeah. worry that the beer's going to be gone because you're not there for the first 60 minutes of the party. Go get yourself a general admission ticket and yeah. come have fun with us. You're going to get just as much fun, but it's just going to be a little more people around, and you're not going to get Sean Paxton food. But you're going to get Sean Paxton food at the end of the week <clears throat> when he does the banquet. So... Cut me a little slack. Already. So they can eat something in that hour and then come over and drink the same beer that's going to be there anyway. That's right. There'll also be food there for yeah. the rest of the session. You sure. can, there'll there be you food go. for purchase. I know that the White Labs folks are working on uh, lots of gourmet beer trucks are going to be parked around there. Good. And you'll be able to get some food anyway. Mm. So I just found the whole thing a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. I, I Again, I apologize that I could not anticipate that all 200 would sell so quickly. I apologize we can't accommodate more. As this thing grows, uh, we'll do it better next year. I'm, I'm getting better at it. And next year, we'll maybe have more tickets. I'll find some other method. I'll, I'll, I'll do skywriting for when the tickets go on sale next year. We'll get two packs. <laughs> maybe we do 50 at a time, lots of 50 or something like that, every eight hours. That's pro- That's a good idea. Some shit like that. Stagger it. Yeah. How did you I'll, I'll only do one shift. Allocations. How did you announce uh, before uh, the BN had a Twitter? You know, in 2006. Oh, it was even worse. I think I telephoned everybody. I'm pretty sure I sat here. <laughs> Called them one by one. Took yeah, a couple days. Like, Hello, Justin here. Hey, you guys, it's Justin. <laughs> yeah, hi again. I got tickets for a Oh, sorry, wrong number. <laughs> I don't know how I did it. Uh, probably our shit-ass website. There. Where, the, the forum, it, yeah. there was, in fact, this is the reason I use Twitter and Facebook. We've always been very slow to communicate, and now we can communicate Instantly. Right. And so, I don't know how I did it. I wish I could have played uh, the thing about, why don't you guys just sign up for Twitter? I wish I could have uh, built a time machine and played you saying that back to you three years ago. Right. You'd have been like, who is this guy? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I'm pretty sure what uh, what I used to do was uh, turn on the microphone and do Morse code for <laughs> when it's going on sale. I think that's how it used Wait to go before Twitter and Facebook. That's just in. You know, and on top of that, I, I not only did I announce Twitter and Facebook, I announced an hour ahead that tickets will go on sale in an hour. Yeah, so blame your friends that have Twitter and Facebook that they didn't tell you. That's what it is. Yeah. So your other friend's fault. Right. Bevo, those cans are looking huge. That's what I said, dude, right? God. Bevo, show show the webcam. They're obnoxious. (laughs) Put them out there. Kidding. Ginormous. Uh, I didn't notice. (laughs) Uh, Who's on the phone here, Bevo? This would be your guest. Oops. Oh, it's Todd. (laughs) Hey, Todd. How are you, man? Oh, maybe this isn't going to work so well. What's going to happen here? We're working with a new board. You there, Todd? I am. There we go. Hey, buddy, how are you? I'm good. How's it going? It's going all right. We were just bullshitting for a little while. Oh, I heard. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> I heard you're hanging out in the chat room with our listeners, too, man. I am. Ugh, good luck with that. <laughs> well, I want to see what people have to say. Yeah, be careful with that, man. Of course. <laughs> listeners like that, though. I like it when our when our guests go in the chat room and hang out with the people, you know? It's well, just... nothing else. You can see what uh, people are saying. Right. Well, so, Todd, you're just a couple minutes early, and only because i got to take us a quick break and take care of some sponsors. Absolutely. Uh, can you hang on for just five minutes? Absolutely. All right, let me put you on hold here. We'll come right back to you. Very good.
All right. Our guest today is Todd Ashman. He's from the 5050 Brewing Company up in Truckee, California. You know, I went there for the first time just this past winter. Uh, I've had his beers before, which are always amazing, but I never made it to the brewery, and it was just awesome. So uh, you can check it out online. If you've got questions for Todd, get in the chat room now. Hit the chat now button, and Bevo's in there answering them. Or um, you can maybe Skype us and things like that. Lots of ways to get to Todd. But uh, send your questions in, and uh, we'll do our best to get to them. Oh, before we go to break, also, uh, Michael Orkin wants to read you a special message from our sponsor, Adam and Eve. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. Just about any. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual that we can't even mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in a free shipping on your order. And no, we're not teasing. I love a free shipping. Yeah. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BN. Army. That's B N Army for the offer code upon checkout. As um, Justin was saying, let me do that again. Let's do over. B N Army for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll receive three free DVDs and a free extra gift and free shipping. Just use the offer code J-A-M-I-L at adamandeve.com, which is sort of a mixed message. Wait, no, can't, to, can't, no use uh, yeah. coupon code B-N-A-R-M-Y. Gotcha. Yeah. Just use offer code B-N-Army at adamandeve.com. You will good. find out who Michael Orkin is at the end of the show. When we come back, Todd Ashman from 5050 Brewing Company. More beer has been slashing prices all year. Now, it's even more free shipping for the month of May. In February, they lowered hop prices. In March, they lowered equipment prices. In April, they lowered ingredient kit prices. Now, for the month of May, only more beer is lowering their already famous free shipping from $59 to $39. Take advantage today. Order two ingredient kits and get them shipped free. Order their new high-flow March pump and get it shipped free. Order most anything over 39 bucks and get it shipped for free. More free shipping only from More Beer at morebeer.com. A heretic is anyone who does not conform to an established attitude, doctrine, or principle. If you love craft beer, you're already a heretic. The very first thing we did when we started looking at the beers that we would brew, we got rid of all those recipes. We started from scratch. We've been pilot brewing the most creative things that we could think of and the most interesting things. We've completely gone away from style. Heretic Brewing Company is opening this spring in Pittsburgh, California, and you can be a part of it. Visit hereticbrewing.com and facebook.com slash hereticbrew. Get the latest updates on the brewery and upcoming beers. Show everyone how you celebrate great beer as a heretic. 
It's a fairly powerful word. Being a heretic, that means you're not settling for ordinary beer. You are going with flavorful, creative, bold, interesting beers. A heretic is looking for the best beers out there. Be a heretic. Don't drink ordinary beer. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmaster's Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Where were we? You stole an oak barrel from the mist of Ravenwood and Lord Zinfandel the Avenger is in pursuit. Do you drop the barrel and run? Hells no. We need it for a Flinders Red. I'm going to cast Pediacocket's Damnesis on the barrel. Sorry, your ghosts are imprisoned in his winery forever. I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. This sucks! What do we have here, Orville Rodenbach? Buzz off, guy! We got a brew session going. Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. (laughs) Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you get a long-lasting foam stand when you think about wheat malt? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs. Ingredients, equipment, and knowledge at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping. Only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the pre-prohibition lager. Perfect for steampunk. And the single hop best bitter. Now on cast in 10 forward. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com. Hero, what's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. It's the Brewing Network. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. Yeah! All right, thanks for hanging in there with us through the break and technical difficulties and weird stuff happening. Uh, hey, Todd, can you hear me okay, or does it sound all distorted on your end? Uh, you sound fine. It sounds good? Okay. Because we were trying to fix a bunch of things before you called in, and I just want to make sure you can hear us. Yeah. Uh, all right. Plus, I don't know if you have internet up there in Truckee. I don't know what happens up there. <laughs> uh, it's all good. Party line. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so I was saying just before the break, you know, I've only been to 5050 once. I went there this winter. And for one, the place was packed. It's an awesome little brew pub. And because I, I was going during ski season, Truckee's just a great spot to do that. You guys must be packed all winter long, man. Uh, we are. Um, really, uh with their skiable snow on the ground, um, we are always packed. Um, after everybody gets in a day skiing, 
everybody heads to the brewery or we get a, a very big crowd but i think all of Truckee gets a a fair amount of business but all the businesses do right but we get our fair share and uh you know rarely are we not on a on a wait when there's snow on the ground skiable snow on the ground which is probably great for everything except for keeping beer in the tanks yeah it's it <laughs> makes things challenging um uh, we always, you know, there's always something that uh, people, when people show up, there's a beer that they have in mind, and sometimes it's not there, and right. it's kind of sad. But uh, you guys must just be brewing around the clock in the winter. We do. Yeah. How many brewers do you have there, Todd? It's just myself and my brother, Kyle. Uh, okay. Oh, that's cool. How long has Kyle been a brewer? Um, he came on when I, when I started at 50-50. Shortly after we started to set up the brewery, uh, Kyle was brought on, and he's uh, been there every day since. And was he a home brewer before, like you? Um, we had. Uh, I was getting into home brewing, and he joined in uh, from time to time because uh, we both lived in the Santa Rosa area at the time. I was getting involved in home brewing, and uh, we always, I brewed at a couple of different places: uh, my folks' house, Kyle's house and then my own uh, place in Petaluma. Got it. Okay. So it, it's Todd Ashman here from 5050. And, Todd, we got a whole room full of people, so a lot of people will be talking at you, just so nice. you know. Um, but now Todd has a pretty long history of brewing. I don't know if you guys know this, but not just that. He was a, he was a jet engine mechanic in the Air Force beforehand, which to me, now, I, this, you know, if you don't know a lot about how a pro brew house works, and, and I don't know much other than the interviews we've done, but it actually sounds like the perfect fit to run a brew house because you kind of <laughs> sure. have to be an engineer first uh, to, to get those things going. Does that background help you out a lot, Todd? Well, um, the way that I approach things, um, and you have to be uh, rather methodical at times, and really in the when I was in the Air Force, when you're doing jet engine mechanic work, um, the mantra that we had to follow was, a tech order is a military order. So you always had to have, if you were doing something on an engine or an engine part, there was a technical manual that you had to have out and open to the page um, that detailed what you were supposed to be doing. And if you didn't, it was basically like you know, breaking a military order. So that has kind of been instilled in me. Um, and you know, to this day, it's uh, we. You know, there's just certain things that have to happen at certain times, and you have to always make sure that you're doing the right thing uh, before you can get on, go on to the next step. So, in other words, you're a big pain in the ass to work for. Uh, I think people, everybody that I've ever worked with in brewing, would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, but your beer speaks volumes, man, because you're just doing great things in there. So I guess they can't argue with that. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. So when did you get your first uh, brewing gig? I see you actually went to brewing school, didn't you? Yes. Uh, the American Brewers Guild back in the mid-90s, 1995 to be specific. Okay. Do you think that that made a big difference in your in your brewing career? We get that question all the time to our guests. Do I have to go to brewing school, you know? Well, I'll tell you, in my uh, humble opinion, it was what opened the door to my first brewing job. And it looks good on a resume, but really, um, at the end of the day, um, 
I found that uh, actually what you get taught in brewing school, at least I did the craft brewers um, craft brewers apprenticeship program through the American Brewers Guild, mm-hmm. and if anything, I was more apprehensive about actually working in a brewery than I would have probably otherwise. I knew the theory behind what I was doing, but actually working with the equipment, you're not pr- really prepared to to deal with uh, the pumps, the hoses, uh, co- you know, the, the possibility of damaging something or uh, ruining a batch of beer. Those are all things that you learn from your mentor or, you know, whomever you're working with on how things should be done in the brewery. It's, uh, you know, it's very interesting. I think after a while you relax and things kind of come naturally. But in the beginning, uh, I think you overthink things and, you know, it makes things a little anxious. But by and large, you know, once you get comfortable in your uh, work surroundings, things go quite smoothly. And after a while, you just get into the zone and, uh, make you know, life becomes quite easy. Okay. Well, at least maybe even your your brewing mentor must like that you have a theoretical background, that you know some brewing science behind it from going to school. Yes. Well, you, you, you're, not, you're thinking about contamination and what have you, but uh, really, because you really want to do what your mentor or whomever you're working with, you know, how they would like to do it, and you're, you're basically being, you know, uh, taken under their wing, and... Uh, they're showing you how it's done or how the way they prefer it's done. So it's, it's interesting, but um, I guess if you were considering going to brewing school, one of the first things that you probably should think about before actually going into a, a real-world brewing job is that uh, you might have some ideas about how things should be done, but listen to the person you're working for and how they like to have it done because, you know, that's that's their method. That's their their process and they know what works in that brewery as well which can be really important detail exactly and that's you know that's what you're there for is to to do it the way they'd like you to do it not to uh offer a different method or what have you because they've been there for many years more than likely and you're brand new <laughs> but Tom, what what year uh was your fir- first pro brewing job um in 1996 i uh basically right out of brewing school, uh, started in a small place in Alamogordo, New Mexico, called Kegs, and uh, I was only there a short while, and uh, it was a very interesting situation because the uh, the brewing system there was sort of cobbled together. It wasn't uh, a professionally built um, brew house. It was uh, something that had been fabricated from existing stainless steel tanks. Um, the fermenters, uh, as a matter of fact, were made from uh, toothpaste tanks from Colgate Palmolive in Canada. Hmm. And so most of the stuff, uh, though it looked like what it should, it uh, was quite awkward. So, Did it keep your white foam real white, sparkling white? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it, you know, it worked. It worked. We made good beer on it, or I made good beer on it. But uh, in the end, uh, probably three months in, I got a a nice electrical shock from a, a poorly wired uh, uh, mash tun rakes. Um, the switch shocked me when I turned it on. Now we can start my car by touching the battery. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, but, it, you know, anyway, uh, I wasn't there long um, before I was offered a job at uh, 
uh, Flossmoor Station in the Chicagoland area. And that was really where uh, I consider, you know, that I was working on a real, uh, real brewing equipment and making good beer and what have you. We had Flossmoor on uh, one of our Can You Brew It shows. We did their uh, Pullman Brown. That's right. Beer, nice. Which was good. That was uh, uh, one of my original recipes. All right. Oh, Congrats on that. Very we cool. The, we love that beer. It, yeah, it came out awesome when we yeah. did it over here. Jamil actually brewed it down yep. here. So. Nice. Is Flossmoor still using your recipe? Uh, I, um, I had the uh, opportunity to go by there not that long ago, and the, some of the recipes had uh, shifted a bit from uh, my original, but the uh, uh, the intent was still the same. The uh, you know they were still being brewed in the for the most part in the uh, uh, how I had originally uh, put those recipes together. Mm-hmm. Got it. And but you ended up leaving Flossmore. That's not when you. That's not when you came to Fifty Fifty, is it? Um, I left uh, Flossmore in two thousand three. Um, basically, you know, I had my tenure there was almost uh, eight years, and um, by and large, uh, I had uh, accomplished everything I was going to accomplish there, and it was an amicable departure. Uh, that's always helpful. I went on um, to work at Titletown Brewing Company for a short stint. Um, while, I w- while I was there, um, a friend of mine, a good acquaintance, um, had offered me a job um, in a division of Rar Malting Company, which would eventually become Brewer Supply Group. Yeah. And I was working as a, a, a sales rep, but also a, a, brewma- a desk brewmaster of sorts, offering advice to our customers and what have you. Okay. And then uh, during that time while I was at Brewer Supply Group, I really felt the desire to get back into actually making beer, not uh, selling the ingredients to make beer. Sure. And uh, I had a criteria. It was basically get back um, to the West Coast, somewhere in the Mountain West, and uh, someplace that was very desirable to me to live and, uh, you know, a great quality of life and... I just I was patient. I took about six months to find um, what would eventually become my next job, and it was a the folks at Fifty Fifty had made an announcement on the Brewers Association uh, Brewers Forum, and I responded to that. And uh, well, I guess the rest is history. Sure. I like that you had very specific goals and got, it sounds like you got exactly what you wanted. Truckee is gorgeous, and uh, you got to move back to the West, and you got a brew gig. Does it ever work, like, telling people, having a guy who makes beer, getting him out of the brew house to do anything? They just want to get back to brewing, right? Yeah, you can't leave. Well, eventually, it, it, it dawned on me that that was what I needed to do, that um, I became... I don't want to say I became quickly dissatisfied at Brewer Supply Group, but the desire to make batches of beer larger than five gallons or ten gallons uh, came upon me rather quickly, and then it was just you know a waiting game because I knew exactly what I wanted to do, and it was just a matter of getting back to that point. What now? What were some of the beer styles when you were brewing in Chicago? What was kind of hot? Were were you working on different things? Was it different from? Moving from California to Chicago, or, or from New Mexico to Chicago, what kind of styles well, were you brewing, and what was what was kind of popular? 
Well, in the in the beginning, um, you know, I'd always had. Uh, there's always been sort of a, a set of beers that I've done, almost all primarily ale, um, but uh, uh, West Coast uh, or a, what would you call it? An American uh, red ale. Um, the porter, the don, uh, what was Pullman Nut Brown or Pullman Brown Ale, is now what I call Donner Party Porter. It's still the recipe is still basically the same thing. Uh, we, we, I brew it as an American Imperial Porter now. Uh, I do a couple of different IPAs and an Imperial Stout, and it's kind of always been the way that I've I've, I've brewed things. Um, it just Everywhere I go, you gotta kind of adjust the the recipes to the brew house to get things to work the way you want them to. But uh, sure. I think the only thing that really has come up more recently is you know diving into uh, delving into uh, doing various Belgian ales and of course a lot more barrel aging. Sure, I've always worked in you know um, smaller brew pubs. Um, I think the largest system I brewed on is a 15 barrel. So I've had a lot of you know. There's a lot of flexibility there because you're not uh, you're trying to develop different styles or different brands and uh, see where those go and brew more of what people are buying and less of what they're not buying. Did you learn a lot about you know working at a brewer supply or a bar about the new ingredients? Did that kind of get you excited? Did you see a lot of new things happening in the market? You want to jump back in or? That's a good question because um, I've always been one to to read uh, when uh, brew, the Brewing Techniques magazine was out. Mm-hmm. They used to do, I think, once a year. They'd have a special issue that always um, would talk about either yeast or malt or things like that. And um, I always was—I don't want to say that I was acutely aware, but I was aware of what was available in the country. And then when I got involved with Brewer Supply Group, you know, I got to see that whole side, the Allied Trade side, uh, from a different angle, which I thought was hugely informative. Hmm. And uh, it helps to know um, that one of the first things that they had me do at Brewer Supply Group was to create a malt matrix, the equivalence between all the different malt suppliers that are out there. And it, it helps a lot. If The more that you know about certain products... Uh, the more that you can help yourself to an to a means to an end to create beers in the way you want them to taste, or if if you like uh, a certain beer, a, a brand that you can um, easy, more easily uh, recreate that. Yeah, through the awareness least, of what's available out there, or at least at least to copy that style. Like if, like you're saying, is if you're familiar with the full palette of beer flavors. Exactly. You can identify each of those to a malt. That's a lot of power. Yep, exactly. I, I also, you know, it's, it's hard to do that. Um, I mean, the only way that you can really do it is either you know through tasting it or you know getting samples, reading about it, and that, like you say, it's a lot of power. It's uh, it's it's an essential it's an essential tool, I think, at the professional brewer's scale. But I would you know suggest that everybody try and do that so that they can better understand what they're the flavors that are created by the the, uh, the raw ingredients that you're using. I would also think that answering those phone calls 
from brewers for a period of time <laughs> gives you a lot of insight into different brewery problems that maybe you didn't run into yourself. Yeah, and especially with grains, yeah. Just a lot yeah. of stuff that you might not have run into. Yeah. You know? Uh, it, you know, of course, I will, I will admit that, that that insight, that background, some, you know, things that other people, other brewers might not ever be aware of that I got to, you know, I got to hear. Yeah. Um, some of them complimentary, a lot of them not so complimentary. <laughs> and that's, you know, how you, how you, uh, how we operated as a business, but also just, you know, how some people operate their, their breweries. A lot of folks would prefer uh, that uh, just-in-time type of, uh, uh, you know, getting things rather than warehousing, getting them the day they need them or the day before they need them. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, it, it was great to, you know, because we had folks that were buying container loads of uh, imported malt. And uh, to know that certain, you know, uh, breweries were working with that much malt in very short periods it was very enlightening because I knew you kind of got an idea of what, how much beer uh, certain breweries were producing. Oh, yeah. Just neat stuff. Yeah, um, absolutely. We had, we were doing things like uh, mixing super sacks. We were actually putting together super sacks of uh, specific malts so that all they had to do was run the super sack through their mill straight into their uh, grist <laughs> cake and up. then into the uh, their mash tun. So you know, that was hard, but it, once again, it was enlightening to see uh, how you know some breweries operated. It's hey, Todd, just for our you know homebrewer listeners who haven't seen a super sack, what is that? It is a 2,000-pound uh, uh, nylon mesh uh, malt sack that essentially can be lifted with a forklift um, high enough to either get into a, uh, um, a silo, a small silo that they have, or straight into their mill. And all they have to do is lift it up, and then there's a chute at the bottom so that when they lift it, they just have a chute that'll go straight into their uh, mill. Okay, and it, it works great. And you know, some folks uh, you know swear by that because it's just as uh, as less <coughs> the least amount of hands-on that needs to be done, the better. Right. It seems like this perfect. I see a lot of it in you know medium to small size breweries because it seems like kind of the perfect fit between opening up. Uh, you know, hundred pound sacks all the time, or fifty pound sacks, or whatever they are, right. uh, or having a, a massive silo, which is very expensive. Right. Even well, some of the smaller breweries are using super sacks for like a crystal malt, especially malts, because okay. they're so big. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. Now, I'll tell you that you know, brewing at the scale that we're brewing at at fifty fifty, um, you know, our malt is kept off site, and it doesn't take too long to. You kind of get drilled into your mind, your brain, how many times you have to handle a malt bag. Uh, <laughs> right. When we when we do a brew, we our brews vary from about uh, 550 pounds up to around 990, depending on what we're brewing. And uh, we have to pick up our malt off-site and transport it. So you're picking up bags once at the storage uh, once at the brewery to get it from the, the vehicle into the brewery, and then we uh, have to move it again to the mill, and then again into the mill. So, right. um, if you're moving 990 pounds and you're doing that four or five times, 
you don't forget it. <laughs> you know, that's a, you know, <laughs> you're lifting like five thousand pounds sometimes in a day, and it's like ugh. But uh, yeah. it's what you got to do. Well, and it's a it's a challenge for a lot of of, of small breweries like yours, I'd imagine. Like you're saying, well, you, you it, have to. It, even it is score. what it is. You have to do it because you're passionate for it, right? I mean, uh, I was trying to think of something clever to say <laughs> um, earlier today, and it was uh, the the one thing that came to mind was for love of the game, and it's just it's something that you do because you're passionate, that you care about it, and you know the, whatever you have to do, you go, you do it to a means to an end to get your product made. And uh, regardless of the hurdles, you, you do it because you want to do it, and the 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 reward is the the beer that you make and the the feedback that you get from the people who drink your beer and stuff like that. Right. Amen. Yeah, that makes sense. Except at the end of the night when your back hurts and you're pissed off. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you there's always that. That's a trade-off. Right. You got to have water going down your boot. <laughs> well, there's that too. It all all. I guess it, you know, if you look at it year to year, you know, there's the the, the bloody knuckles and the, the yeah. burnt foot and uh, right. what have you, but it all kind of equals out at the end of the year, I think. Gotcha. And how long have you been at 50-50 now? Uh, we opened in uh, May of 2007, but I uh, relocated to Truckee in September of 2006, and at that point, it was just a, kind of a shell. There was a the open space and uh, some framing inside and then from there it was get everything in and get it start get it working and 2007 was 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 pretty damn good for craft beer so were you guys kind of an instant success there with the vacationers or did it take some time well i i think we've always been good with the people that are either our our local customers who are great and the people that visit Truckee and uh, we we've always done very good business, and it's just in the last couple of years we started in 2007 brewing uh, our imperial stout and aging it in spirit barrels, and that's kind of the the angle that we've uh, taken is just to create this high end imperial stout, aging it for as long as we possibly can, and then eventually getting it into the bottle. And that's now turned into a schedule of sorts where we release in December. And that's, you know, we do a great local business, but this, the Eclipse has now kind of, you know, taken on a life of its own and is really, really, you know, its own animal and kind of driving itself in a way. Uh, We're just trying to meet the demand, the requests that are coming in to get this product. And it's not just... California or the West Coast, it's the entire United States, and we're starting to get uh, requests beyond the United States, you know, in Canada, and we've actually had requests from India and Sweden really, uh, to uh, accommodate that, and it's, you know, we're not really looking to do all of that, but we do want to address at least some of the major markets in the country, and it more more specifically... The Northern and Southern California, um, Oregon, and um, Chicago as well, and we're still working on a couple of other big cities, but those places in particular will get the demand uh, at least somewhat better addressed as we uh, continue to grow that brand. 
So we're going to spend a lot of time today, and especially now that we're getting into it, it's perfect, uh, talking about your barrel age program and, and what you do there. And I, I just wanted to point out, as you're talking about getting your beer into different markets, you know, one of my listeners was just telling me, I think it was yesterday, that uh, your Eclipse series, and we're going to taste some of those tonight too, uh, these are some of those beers we've talked about before that you find on eBay for uh, for obscene amounts of money <laughs> occasionally. Uh, it, Todd's uh, Eclipse series, are, are some of these sought-after beers, he's not making that much of them. And you go find these things on eBay, and people are making a penny off of this guy. That's crazy. You know, What do you think about that, that whole kind of black market beer scene? Well, um, unfortunately, I think that there's a... It creates a hype that, unfortunately... Uh, is almost hard to meet the huh. the expectation yeah. at, at some point because I know I guess in some ways we pat ourselves on the back. It's like oh one of our one of our 2008 eclipses sold on eBay for 360 bucks. It's like, <laughs> right. Yay! But wow. you know then there's it creates uh, there's just an expectation that these things are absolutely stellar and it's like well it can be but it you know it is a beer that's three years old now. Um, going on for, and there's a good chance that maybe it wouldn't be. So, you know, the, the, that price tag all of a sudden becomes, um, I don't know, somewhat of a hindrance. And yeah, uh, you know, though it's great, um, you know, and I know that the folks that are selling this stuff uh, on eBay that are profiting from, you know, their opportunity to buy the beer at uh, regular price. You know, it, it, it is what it is. I, I kind of object to the whole concept of them having to state that the beer, it's not for the contents of <laughs> what's in the bottle, it's for the bottle itself. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, wow, okay. So, <laughs> and I know that my colleagues in the industry, most of them all feel the same way. And it's it's kind of sad, but what does one do? Uh, we just, we sit back and watch and Wow, you know, somebody's making money. You know, so. <laughs> I got to say, especially when you talk about your colleagues feeling the same way, I, I have to admit that, I, so I've asked this question before of other brewers, and Todd Todd's answer that he just gave is the one that I would relate to most. Yeah. If I was Todd, if I was the brewer, that's the most honest and, and one that I would I really it. relate to. Yeah. Where you, I would do that too. I would sit back and go, wow, that's pretty rad that, I, that one of my beers just went for that price. Yeah, it's flattering. At the same time, like I, I'm a music fan too. I don't really, uh, I don't get down on scalpers, but I wouldn't be a scalper myself, right? So I can watch them, uh, you know, up in the price of tickets, and I don't really say, well, F you guys, you're, you're evil, but I wouldn't do it myself. And it kind of sounds like Todd's the same answer. He's like, look, I, I don't know that they should be making money off of this, but at the same time, it's pretty flattering, I think, to see that happen. And anyway, there's, a, yeah. there's a lot to be said, too, about inflated expectations. Like, everything in life works like that. If everyone has said, oh, this movie's great, this movie's fantastic, it's the best movie right. you've ever seen, even if the movie is great, you're going to be let down because you're expecting <laughs> something that w- yeah. the movie will never be able to live up to. It's, it's why I got C's in school. It's so that when I got a B, everyone was thrilled. <laughs> Well, no, right. i got to add here, uh, Todd's not blameless here. I mean, he made a fantastic beer. Sure. That is problematic. You know? Well, right. Yeah. That's a problem. And, right. and as a guy who kind of introduced barrel aging to a larger audience way back when, it's sort of a verification of all the things that he's learned over the years and the popularity and interest of barrel aging. In the 90s, you may have released a beer like this, and it may not have you know garnered this much popularity and, and collectability. Right. You, should, you should get that attention, yeah. yeah. Well, that, thank you for bringing that up. It's, uh, 
That's an interesting story, and I, if we could spend just a little time talking yeah. about that. Right um, when I was brewing in Chicago, um, it, it had come to my attention through a, uh, one of the assistant brewers I had in the beginning um, that the Goose Island Brewery um, was aging their Imperial Stout in Jim Beam barrels. And uh, there was also a connection to a, a homebrew club that was on the south side, I believe it was called the Brewers of South Suburbia. And they always uh, used to do a club brew and then put the contents into a bourbon barrel and ferment it. And uh, I believe it was Greg Hall took that concept a step further and ate, just aged a finished Imperial Stout in a bourbon barrel, and uh, thus Bourbon County Stout. And also around the same time, from what I understand, uh, Sam Adams, uh, Boston Beer, was doing uh, um, uh, Triple Bach in Jack Daniels barrels in the facility that now makes Two Buck Chuck out um, near Modesto, California. Perfect. So I get involved a few years after that, and uh, we get a donated Jim Beam barrel, and that, that turns out pretty, you know, that product turned out pretty good. So we go... Take, you know, get about a dozen, um, six Jim Beam and then six Jack Daniels, and age our Imperial Stout in that. This is like 1997, and in 1998, uh, 50 or Flossmore Station, excuse me, um, got the first medal awarded to a barrel-aged beer at the Great American Beer Festival. Kudos. We got a, a gold medal in the experimental category. And, uh, you know, that was great. Yeah. And it was kind of the beginning of a very long uh, experiment, so to speak. Um, but I think where I get acknowledged for actually bringing this uh, barrel aging to contemporary is at Flossmoor Station, we used to participate in the great taste of the, of the Midwest in Madison every summer. And we would bring our barrel aged beer and... We used to do, I believe we were the first, if not one of the first, um, breweries to do timed tastings. And we'd have, I'd have one of my assistants grab a quarter barrel of one of our barrel-aged beers and taunt the crowd. And uh, we could drain a quarter barrel in about 11 minutes. And it's nice. basically wow. uh, <laughs> tapping it and then just having a line of people, usually 100 or more, uh, pumping, you know, somebody's pumping, and uh, yeah. the hand tap and the things drained as quickly as it. I think the ta- we don't ever, you know, the tap never shuts. You don't ever close it. Constantly <laughs> pours. Now, now you must have taken the beer to the glass rather than the glass to the beer. There, right? You moved the beer um, around, or they came up and got it right off. The no, they table. came and got it. it uh, over the years, there was more than uh, one or two broken glasses. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, over exuberance, but. Sure. Uh, we never had anybody get cut or Good. draw blood, but it was quite interesting. And I think, you know, um, as the years went on and more people were doing these things, that uh, there wasn't the frenzy that uh, was occurring in the, the early years. Got it. But where the uh, the connection um, with me and uh, contemporary barrel aging is I made the acquaintance of Tom Griffin, who is also known as the Barrel Guy in Milwaukee in 1999 and I inspired him um, so he states 
to actually get into the business of selling um, used barrels, used barrels from the, the distilleries in Kentucky. And uh, he's actually built quite a business now, and he, he still acknowledges me. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a small guy, but uh, <laughs> he, you know, he's gone on to do great things, and he's actually the, what I like to say is the Johnny Appleseed of bourbon barrels. Well, it's and, not, uh, it's yeah, not just not just That's that cool. though is it Todd you also uh, lobbied a bit with the GABF instead of making your beer you know you won the first medal in an experimental right. category you asked them well we, we really need a barrel category um, there, after after uh, 1999 and getting um, a di- you know more medals in uh, experimental in 2000 one of my barrel aged beers uh, was knocked out for not being experimental any longer um, whereas in 2001, a uh, bourbon barrel beer got a medal in experimental, and it, it created a, a conundrum of sorts for me. And I had I the only thing I felt that needed that could be done would be to create some kind of a wood aged or barrel aged category. Category, and I had basically gone through uh, letter writing and uh, phone calling. To, to see what could be done, and I believe that through my through those efforts, probably not only my own, uh, had the 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 folks that run the GABF and create you know write the beer styles actually create a wood and barrel aged beer category in the GABF, and then later in the World Beer Cup, and what was uh, once one category is now three. <coughs> And those categories actually are some of the um, highest entered categories in those competitions. Right. See, that's the yeah. beauty right there. The experimental category is my favorite, um, both uh, you know, just as a homer and as an avid AVN watcher. Yeah, the absolutely. Adult, the adult, the adult well, video you know, there's so much <laughs> that can be done there, and it's actually getting barrel aged um, beers out of that, out of experimental, actually allows a little more creativity, or you don't, you know. It, it, it because it, the barrel aging obviously has its own element that needed to go somewhere else, and uh, you know the stuff that's getting awarded, um, you know, getting medals in experimental now is actually pretty exciting to watch. Sure. Yeah. Well, let's do this. I, I got to take a break, but since we're on the topic now, and also we have some of your Eclipse beers uh, in our studio that you were so kind to give our producer last time he was uh, running through your place there. When I was barely the producer, Todd was very gracious, and he didn't know who the hell I was. <laughs> Not that he knows now, but he certainly didn't know then. Well, and we've oh. taken good care of him ever since, and I'd like to try some. And, and what I'd really like to do, Todd, since we have you here, is you know most of our listeners are homebrewers. Uh, so if we can talk about how you brew these beers, what kind of beers lend themselves to barrel aging, if we can get into some techniques that you use, I think they'd be pretty grateful if we could do that. That sounds great. Okay, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, more from Todd Ashman at 5050 Brewing Company, and we're going to talk more about barrel aging beers. We'll get some techniques. Enter the chat room. Hit the chat now button right now, and you can get your questions over to us if you've got them. We'll find out how to make some of these world-class beers from one of the guys who's been doing it since it started. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back.
listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until right, the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska, in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read. Read your way to better homebrew. I love beer. I'm a brewer. I brew it. I drink it. It's in my blood, really. I'm that guy that pours malt extract on his pancakes. I wish I could just put a good brew in my pocket and take it with me. Now you can. Hey, brewers and beer lovers. Why not eat the energy bar invented by a home brewer using the same ingredients in your brew? Introducing Brew Bar Energy Bars, spelled B-R-U-B-A-R. Malt, oats, vanilla, nuts, cinnamon, coconut. You've put them in your beer, and you'll find them in your Brew Bar Energy Bar. All natural, made with simple ingredients chosen for the highest quality. They're new, different, and have a rich malty flavor and smooth, moist texture, just like a fine craft brew. You can find Brew Bar Energy Bars at BrewBar.com or find a retailer near you. And if you are a retailer, you should contact them and find out how you can sell Brew Bar Energy Bars. Check them out at BrewBar.com. That's B-R-U-B-A-R.com. And follow them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BrewBar. Remember, it's in your Brew Bar Energy Bar because it's in your brew. This Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to The Brewing Network. The Brewing Network. Saving your life. One beer at a time. Welcome back to the program, everybody. Thanks for uh, sticking around through the break. We are talking to Todd Ashman, who's the brewmaster over at 5050 Brewing Company in Truckee. And we're about to start talking about his amazing beer, because we've got a few 
in front of us. And uh, did you just choose one to open, Moscow? What do you got there? Yeah, I got the uh, I got the 2009 with the green wax. What do you think, Todd? Should we start with that one or the purple? Um, I think so because uh, it's going to be a little more up front. I think the uh, the purple wax, the Elijah Craig. Uh, uh, barrel aged is going to be really fantastic. So, so this is Elijah Craig barrels. Then the green. Um, wax? actually, the green wax is uh, Rittenhouse Rye. Written. Okay. Okay. It's, uh, the Rittenhouse Rye is a uh, four years in the barrel, and uh, usually it's uh, it's a whiskey, a rye whiskey. It's rather up front, and um, the Elijah Craig um, is a twelve year old barrel, and it tends to be a little more subtle with a lot more nuance. So uh, you'll see as you taste. Um, careful with the wax. Yeah, that's what uh, Moscow's having trouble with right we, now. Uh, Want to mess with it? We, uh, you know, we use the wax to identify the actual barrel that was uh, the the beer was aged in, um, without actually getting into branding or naming of brands. And uh, it's just a nice identifier, but oh, nice. it does take a skilled hand to. To get it off of the, there. The wax is awfully thick. Is it so normally get, this thick? Go get a wine opener that has a knife yeah, and cut it with a knife <laughs> and then yeah. pop it. And Tasty and Chat, don't just stare at the kid. Sorry. Help a Honestly, brother out. God damn, go get guys. A, go get the knife hey, that he needs. It's his first time. He needs this experience. Not on air, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Todd, you should see what they do to the new kid around here every time. Well, no help. I guess that's what happens. <laughs> hey Todd, you hear a lot of talk about not being able to use like this certain red wax on top because of the whole Maker's Mark thing. What's the deal with that? Have you ever heard that? Um, I have not heard that. That's oh, okay. actually new to me. Um, oh, okay. But uh, I've heard a lot of rumblings about that. Really? I don't Thank know. Um, our, well, um, probably just myth. Haven't heard a peep. We uh, actually used red wax um, in our 2010 vintage. Uh, for the Four Roses single barrel, mm-hmm. and uh, we actually haven't heard anything. We actually ac- got a nice acknowledgement at uh, during San Francisco Beer Week from uh, someone uh, from Four Roses that was attending an event um, that where we had uh, their product or our product that was aged in their barrels. And they actually came and gave me a big. Uh, hug and a pat on the back. So yeah, I I, I had the uh, and we used red wax when we dipped the bottles. I guess that's my, my story there. Cool. Sorry. Yeah, I had a chance to do the uh, show chocolate tasting and cheese and uh, the, your beers. That was that was great. Wasn't that, um, I really have to thank the folks at City Beer um, that arranged that and the people at uh, Show Chocolate as well. That was really quite an event. I uh, had a great time, and it was a perfect place to do. The tasting and you know all the folks that attended that were were wonderful. Couldn't have asked for a better setup because that was really awesome. I think uh, Beth and Craig have been good allies of yours, Todd, for a while. It seems like um, I remember going to a, a vertical tasting of Eclipse. I believe it was in early two thousand nine. It was on a Saturday afternoon. They had uh, the various uh, barrel aged versions of this beer. There it was just awesome. That they, they did a great job. Uh, I, uh, uh, Craig and Beth, um, Heather. Um, uh, Craig's mom, uh, Mary, I believe, um, are all just wonderful people that, to deal with. And, uh, you know, I, I think that if there's the fact that they've assisted us in such a way to get our product down into San Francisco and then, you know, 
all around the Bay Area as well. They just you know, they work as a great team, and you know that business. Um, we did a uh, a commission beer for them um, for their fifth anniversary, where we um, aged a Baltic Porter in uh, Cabern- uh, French oak uh, Cabernet Sauvignon barrels. Um, a beer called the Rouge Barrel Baltique. Um, that there wasn't a lot that made it out to folks, but uh, a very wonderful beer, and I, I'm glad that we were able to uh, participate in their fifth anniversary. So for the folks at home, uh, just want you to know, you can go to justin.tv slash brewing network, and I'll try to show you the beers on the webcam. I just showed the Eclipse bottle that we're drinking now. This is from his Eclipse series, of course, is what we're talking about. And uh, I'll show you as much of the beer as I can over justin.tv slash brewing network. Too bad and, you can't taste it. It's yeah, so good. I, that's oh, as close man. as I can get you to tasting it. Uh, I guess you can go on eBay or you can stop by 50-50 when these come out. Well, so, I'll tell you what, there's there's a third of a bottle left. I'll sell it for 400 bucks right now. <laughs> there you go. All opened. And yeah, right cut. now. It's prime. <laughs> you don't have to fuck with the wax. It's already done for you. We got that off. So let me do this, Todd, so we can kind of take it step by step. And this is where our homebrewers really get to learn from what you do. And, and learn about this beer. So, tell me about the base beer before it becomes part of your Eclipse series. What is the base of this one we're drinking? Okay, um, we call that beer Totality. It used to be known as Fifty Fifty Imperial Stout. Okay. Um, just to give it a couple of kudos, uh, in two thousand eight and two thousand nine, it was awarded a bronze medal at the Great American Beer Festival in the Other Strong Beer category. We were entering it as a uh, imperial oatmeal stout. On its own. Uh, since then, we've uh, adjusted a little bit of the the recipe, but uh, in as few words as possible, it is really a, a, a kitchen sink beer of sorts. But um, I want to bring complexity to the beer, so we use a number. We use right now we're looking at uh, six different roasted malts, uh, two caramel malts. Munich malt, and uh, two different or possibly three different base malts. And um, this year, or for this, uh, the 2011 vintage, uh, we've been ex- playing with the recipe just slightly, but uh, usually using one domestic malt, base malt, uh, usually RAR, but we've also been using uh, Great Western, uh, uh, Pacific uh, I believe it's uh, Pacific Northwest Pale Ale, and then their premium two-row or the RAR uh, two-row from Canada. Um, usually a Golden Promise, which could either be Simpsons or Thomas Fawcett, and Chris Maris Otter or Fawcett Mossett, uh, Maris Otter or Baird's Maris Otter. And then uh, Gambrinus, uh, either Honey Malt or Dark Munich. And then, you know, the there's a myriad of uh, different crystal malts that we're using, but uh, they could be Wireman or Simpsons, um, Thomas Fawcett's or Hugh Baird. And then uh, the dark malt, uh, I'll just go into what they are, uh, but Great. it's amber, brown, um, usually pale chocolate, chocolate, um, roasted barley, and black malt. <laughs> Wow. And Wait, then, is it uh, one of those or all of all those? Of wow. Kitchen all of them. Kitchen sink. Kitchen six different um, ones total. In equal amounts, sometimes uh, varying. But uh, I've found that uh, if you, the more, and a lot of people will say, no, this is you're just dumping stuff in there and uh, looking at the result. But I've found that 
over time uh, that using these different ingredients in conjunction with each other tend to uh, offer up a more complex flavor or at least there'll be layers of flavor and depending on what temperature you drink the beer at you know flavors open up and you know they, they segue in and out it's, it's really pretty spectacular Justin weren't we just talking last week to uh, one of the Ohio breweries I think it was that did not like the kitchen sink approach well a lot of a lot of people don't and I think that's why Todd kind of mentions that um, y- you know it's not by accident on his part because there, there are a lot of brewers who go look when, when you do that in fact home brewers do it a lot especially when, when we start we're notorious uh, for it. Yeah. Well, we get so excited about new ingredients, and we're learning ingredients. Right. When, when we're in our first year of brewing, oh, yeah, you bet your ass our malt bills are crazy. <laughs> our hop bills are crazy. Yeah. And and as we learn, you know, we start to, to pare down, too. And I think that's why Todd mentions it. I think a, more, I think a, a great question would be maybe that you could tell us, Todd, you know, really how you got to that. Because... You know, knowing that the kitchen sink approach is is generally not good, it, so it sounds like you maybe started more simple and you kept adding things. Well, I bet his pale ale doesn't look like this, for example. Right? Um, no, it, it really my dark beers. I, I've just found that over time, um, that you get more complexity if you add um, the diff, you know different ranges, because either um, your beer is going to end up somewhat one dimensional or. Yeah. I'm looking for a multifaceted, um, uh, like I was saying, uh, just layers of flavor. Well, you're also looking um, for the malt flavors and, you want, you know. Uh, well, Combining malt is sometimes some way to get that. Yes. Yeah, you yeah. get like a third flavor. Yes. Well, that's the, the same reason with the the base malts. Um, yeah. Is that you're you're looking for different text, you know, textures and flavor, mm-hmm. and uh, really the only I've found that. Uh, through the approach that I use, that the beer that we're creating is quite satisfactory and it, it really quite enjoyable. And, <laughs> oh, you know, one of the things that uh, kind of is, here. I don't want to sit here and you know uh, pat myself on the back. But well, either you do it or we'll do it. <laughs> you go first. In 2010, at the European Beer Star, um, Totality was awarded a silver medal, um, and that you know that's a probably next to the World Beer Cup, probably one of the uh, more Highly coveted uh, brewing competitions in the world, and I thought that was that was pretty neat. And it's we're a small little brewery, and, and I like doing things, you know, kind of my way. And but at the end of the day, when you get acknowledged for for that uh, with an award from your colleagues or your uh, right, it it kind of you know it it acknowledges that what we're doing isn't completely you know ass backwards we're <laughs> sure. we're, ma- we're making a beer that uh, actually actually works quite well and yeah. in a way we're brewing totality with the intent more or less of it having to age for a significant time before it's consumed and uh, so we have to brew a beer that we know is going to last at least a year and maybe two or three and uh, you know creating something that's going to hold up that long um is really rather crucial. Right. Uh, the other thing that we do, um, and this is on purpose, is that we use hops that aren't very strongly flavored, but yet do their job quite well. And um, for bittering, we use German Magnum or U.S. Millennium, and then on the back side we use uh, Mount Hood. And they're not. Neither of those hops is really terribly strongly flavored, 
but it does add a good hop character and you know kind of a generic hop character and but yet not overwhelm the base beer and not get in the way of the barrel aging so all of that excuse me um we're we're looking for uh balance and just a a nice beer that will hold up um to the one in the barrel and then of course get uh, get bottled and then out in the market well this beer it, this one's 2009, right, Moscow? That, that's yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. So this beer has held up perfectly. Oh, yeah. It's done its job. Now, it's been cared for also because it, it was with Todd until less than a year ago, I think. And then Moscow took it right to his fridge, and then it's been in our fridge. So it's been cared for properly. I think that's important to note. But it has it has held up, I think, flawlessly. And before we talk about the barrel process, I, I kind of wanted to mention... So a beer that has won uh, awards here on our station, we have a silly little Brewing Network Awards every year, and most of them are meaningless. But we do give one award uh, away each year to our favorite beer of the year. And uh, one that won a couple years ago was the Firestone Walker 12. And so kind of speaking of this kitchen sink approach to this beer, to this beer, every time Firestone, you know, they do their anniversary beer, they take something from every barrel that they have. Really? And they take it in a different blend. They have vintners come in and help them decide the blend. But they take a little bit of everything that's on hand. And to me, it comes out incredible. It's the only other kitchen sink beer I've ever really loved. And this beer has those qualities, I think. Yeah, it doesn't taste like a mess of flavors. The no. things come across clearly and, and you could, distinctly still. You could pick that in the in the Firestone versions, if you taste them individually, the, the blended beers, you can pick them out in the final version. Um, you know, if you have something to reference. And in this beer, I, I would guess that if we sat around with the malts, we could also pick them out in the beer rather than it tasting muddled. Absolutely. It's still distinct. It's so good. The inclusion of dark Munich in particular, I know Todd is probably only a small portion of the grain bill, but I really like what I think I'm getting, this this really deep, distinct toastiness that's blending in with all the dark malt flavors and the, the crystal malt flavors. That's a really unique component that doesn't get lost, even though it's probably a, only a small percentage of the bill. Yeah, it's there. It's you know probably about you know in the 5% range, but it, uh, it does work. I really like... The, the Gambrinus uh, honey malt and their dark Munich. They are very flavorful. They're very, they come um, forward um, and are apparent in a number of our beers. As I, I love to get them in the uh, our IPAs to be part of the malt backbone, but even um, in the, the Eclipse, um, after the barrel aging and what have you, it's still somewhat there, and uh, it, it shows up. It's pretty neat. And, and here's the other part I, I love about it, and and I wonder if JP can relate to this too, as a, yeah. you know, especially because you're kind of harsh on on barrel aged beer sometimes I am, too. I am. This beer lends itself to the alcohol heat that you get. That little bit of of heat yeah. cuts through and thins out some of what what might otherwise be muddled. Or well, I wouldn't say it thins it out. I would say it complements it very well. I, so that's it, what I it, meant. It, yeah. It, um, it, it kind of contrasted a little bit and, and takes some of that that roasty intensity down. Um, what is the alcohol on this, uh, Todd? About nine and a half, ten. Okay, and is a little yeah. bit added from the barrel as well. Um, actually, we uh, go out of our way to actually let the barrels dry out. Okay. Um, it's you know it's something that we have to do to basically comply with state regulations. Mm-hmm. I see. Hmm. Yeah. Um, 
they uh, there was a law that was passed uh, a few years ago. It was a tax law, actually, that basically stated that if there was more than 0.5% alcohol added by a distilled spirit, that the beer was actually considered a, a distilled spirit. So we have to let our the barrels completely dry out um, to be free of alcohol. Okay. So the fla- you know, uh, the flavor's there, but uh, there I and not picking up additional alcohol. We're not using the barrels fresh. Well, then certain. When we get the barrels, they are chock full of, uh, they're a little heavier because of what was in there. But yeah, right. we let them, uh, we let them sit for about 45 days um, before what? we do anything with them. And then there's a rinsing process and what have you, so we make sure we're not picking up that additional alcohol. Well, then the nine and a half is plenty enough because yeah. it's just perfect. It's such a good balance with the alcohol content i think yeah it's big enough but not overly ridiculously huge you get alcohol and it adds to the mouthfeel and complexity but it's not you know punching you in the face it allows that other subtle complexity to come through of all the malts and hops well todd do you think that the rinsing of the barrel uh, diminishes some of the bourbon flavor or do you just make up for that over time well we're doing it rather quickly it's kind of an in and out on that Mm -hmm. um probably the the main thing is to get a lot of the the loose charcoal from the charring um, out of the barrel, okay. because that um, later in the process, when we're actually um, pulling the beer back out of the barrel, those uh, little bits of charcoal can uh, get into uh, uh, the beer lines uh, of the bottler and you know a host of other things that uh, actually aren't good. At the, if it gets into a keg, they can uh, foul the keg up, actually um, getting into the the spear, the little sp- the spring, or getting stuck um, in the gasket that actually seals the keg, and uh, kind of be a big pain in the butt. So, so do you mechanically move, try to remove that charcoal, or like how do you do that? Well, right now, what the the main thing is, try, you know, when we em- uh, fill the barrel with water that one time mm-hmm. and dump it, a lot of that free charcoal just well, out. Uh, comes out. Right. But what's left um, when we're actually Pulling beer out of the barrel. Right now, uh, we were using a bulldog, which is a, something from the wine industry where you inject CO2 into the barrel, and it essentially pushes the beer up a spear and then out into a keg or tank. Mm. We're now using a diaphragm pump, which is much quicker, and as we get into more and more barrels that we are this year, um, using diaphragm pumps is really the best way. So right now we're using um, a uh, nylon mesh around the... Uh, Oh. The hose that we put into the barrel, mm-hmm. and uh, huh. that works. And, you know, we're being very careful not to get any incorporated oxygen into the beer that's actually going into a tank or a keg. Sure. And yeah. it, it works quite well. It's much quicker. Um, yeah. Well, this beer's held up really well, so oxygen yeah. kudos there. No I bet Beva was she had a ni- uh, diaphragm pump. <laughs> she would be in the trouble she's in yeah. now. <laughs> uh, Todd, when you uh, allow these barrels to dry out with the... Uh, with the, ex- the residual spirit, are you concerned that when you fill the barrel that the staves will leak? Do you go through a process to um, re-swell we, uh, the barrel? Or? We, have to, we have to re-swell. Okay. And uh, that's you know generally a, a process, process where we're just spraying down the outside, but we're very aware of uh, you know, making sure that the barrels are swelled before we fill. And there's still some leakage. Um, leakage. Um, if you're filling the barrel with cold beer, which we always are, um, mm. That beer is, beer is going to expand as it warms up, 
and so we don't fill the barrels all the way. And even then, um, there is some beer pushing out of the staves. Uh, but we've never had any, like, a catastrophic leak. So it, it works um, fairly well. Do you top up the barrels after a certain period of time that um, the beer's um, in the barrel? For concern of infection or just what have you. Oxygen. Let me absolutely feel it necessary. No, I right. tend to just want to leave them be and uh, only crack that bung one time if I have to. Hmm. And uh, you, uh, what we do when we're pulling the beer back out is we will sample each barrel the day that we're going to pull from uh, those said barrels and have at least three or four people that have an, um, an oh, educated palate taste. That's a tough job. So that we can, because uh, the, the beer does get blended um, by the barrel into a tank. So if we're going to pull, let's say, 12 barrels of uh, Elijah Craig, every one of those barrels is tasted before it goes into um, a tank. And so that we're not, I think one of the most common issues in barrel aging that we've seen in this country are beers that have gotten are barrel aged beers that have gotten infected because one barrel's off and mm. it's not caught before it's blended into the into the hole so it's really critical that we taste each barrel before it's sent in so there's when we're doing that we have sanitizer and a, a wine thief and everybody's standing, you know, right there, so we're not, mm-hmm. you know, doing anything that's uh, not good for the beer. And uh, taste it, and then make a decision. You know, mark the barrel either good or bad, and off we go. Then it but goes to the, uh, the bottling tank, and or not. Yep, and it's, you know, it, it's really. I think that's essential. It's not a, a trick or anything. It's just, it's just something that I feel that has to be done because there would be nothing worse than. Uh, yeah. You know, having your beer go off uh, at some point in the future after it's in the bottle, and uh, you know, I know that that w- there's been a couple of high-profile incidents instances where this has happened with other breweries. That uh, you know, I don't know if it's a col- quality control or if it was just something that wasn't detected, but you know, very unfortunate. So we go out of our way to make sure that, as best we can, that it you know the beer goes out or gets into the bottle in the best possible shape. So, Todd, uh, we don't have the the pre-barrel beer in front of us, but I know at least Chad and I, and probably some other people in this room, have heard you talk about flavors and beer before, and you, you just do a great job of really explaining it. Can you help us understand what flavors the barrel adds to, to your beer? Well, there's... The secret ingredients in bar- uh, or the secret ingredient for me in barrel aging is time in the barrel. And um, I know that in many instances, people or breweries will keep the product um, in the barrel for just a short period, just a couple of months. And though that will lend a uh, flavor, it tends to be rather spirit forward. And really, what you want to do is incorporate the art of the cooper and uh, the brewer together, you know, because that's true serendipity there. And what what you're seeing is once that, that barrel gets charred, that um, is caramelizing the wood sugar in the staves. And then the, the spirit rests in the barrel, and then the, the spirit comes out, and then it's what the brewer 
then has as a, a, a palette to paint with, so to speak. And if you put uh, beer in there, uh, you're you're looking for a pr- uh, for flavors like coconut, vanilla. You're going to get a little bit of oak, um, oak tannin, and uh, the further the you know the longer the time that the beer spins in the barrel, um, you might even uh, start to pick up on coconut, um, and just really wonderful um, warming flavors that actually kind of work with the chocolate um, that's in the in the stout or in the, in the case of a barley wine or a wheat wine some of the the um, the caramel or uh, melanoidin like flavors that are created um, in the brewing process and then it, it really all comes together um, with time and there you know there's a point where you can go overboard and uh, you know things start to not be complimentary but there's a little bit of controlled oxidation I don't want to say controlled but it's it's minimal but the, the barrels breathe and that brings in some vinous qualities into the bigger beers I I, uh, I prefer um, darker beers and uh, barley wine for barrel aging but I've had um, double box I've had uh, um, a lot of people do IPA um, and so, you know some, somehow I think the IPA is kind of um, compete with the the spirit um, to not be completely uh, complementary. There's kind of two different um, flavor uh, profiles going uh, coexisting, so to speak. So it's you know it really comes down to what you prefer or what you envision. I think uh, the darker Belgian beers, uh, you know, just a strong dark ale would work ideally, and we've uh, done that in the past uh, to uh, great success. So, but I think that there's a point where um, a, the base beer that goes into a barrel has to have at least a certain level of gravity or mouthfeel um, to get it to work or, uh, you know, things get overwhelmed or they don't ever end up in balance. And I think that that's really, you know, what you're really trying to do is get something that's in balance. You don't want the, uh, the beer to come off as uh, fortified or, you know, just to have the oak character or the underlying spirit character to clobber uh, your beer. Right. And, uh, of course, um, a lot of people now um, are getting into using wine barrels, and those work quite well as um, it, it, to get into either um, lighter styles or sour as well. Um, there, it, there's a lot of different... Uh, uh, barrels out there that can be acquired. I highly recommend the folks go by. Uh, I believe it's uh, WineClassified.com uh, or WineBusiness.com, and then uh, go into the classified section. There's a huge uh, amount of uh, wine barrels that are available um, that, through that website. Is that nice. from Wine Business Monthly, that magazine? Um, it's actually a website. Oh, okay. Um, give me a second, I can look this up. But uh, the other thing, um, in Chicago, we were very close to uh, Kentucky. So it was a natural um, to get um, barrels from whiskey country, bourbon country. Whereas here in California, you know, there, there's a plethora of uh, 
wine <laughs> barrels and wine businesses that uh, you can get your barrel racks and what have you. And sweaters. But, um, Not so much uh, bourbon, though. <laughs> no. Um, but that's where my buddy Tom Griffin comes in. Yeah, he's the guy yeah. that makes um, some moves I just wanted over. to confirm it was uh, winebusiness.com backslash classifieds. And uh, you can find a, a huge amount of uh, goodies there. That's for rad. those that are interested. But, I know uh, some breweries sell them. Like Lost Abbey sells them. They'll sell them to you. But I think like uh, Firestone will just, they I mean, they cut up, they give away their barrels. And I think Russian River maybe too. Uh, what we do at the end um, with ours, and we're, we've actually re- tried to sell them on Craigslist, Craigslist for just, you know, water barrels or what have you. And, uh, you know, yeah. really in the end, we were happy that somebody came and took them away for nothing. <laughs> but, uh, uh, firewood. You know, we were actually, yeah, in Truckee, we did use them for firewood, or at least uh, my brother and I did. They uh, are white oak, and they uh, do put out a good amount of heat. It's kind of odd. You guys are in the middle of a forest there. You don't need any firewood. Well, one would think, but yes. hey, Tom, you got to pay for it. <laughs> how many uses do you get out of these barrels? That's kind of a common question where people oh, go. That's a good question you know, as well. Oh. Um, we actually only, uh, the one and done, um, really, because of the charring on the inside of the barrel, um, they're literally impossible to get uh, clean once, yeah. they've been, once they've been filled. And it, it just becomes a risk. Um, I've always the the concept that I've always used is that the the value of the product in that barrel at retail by far exceeds what it costs to get another barrel mm-hmm. by a factor of almost sixty. That's an excellent. Um, point. So that's good philosophy. No, that'd be a no-brainer. <laughs> I don't even understand yeah, it. So it just that's how know, dumb I am for us. And it, I, you know, it's once again, it uh, if we we have a small sour pro- program in the works now but hmm. uh we're using wine barrels so those those whiskey barrels it just you know it goes back to us tasting the content of each barrel each time before it goes into the blend and uh to risk that you know just to get a second use out of the barrel doesn't seem right and when you think about well the way i think about it anyway is that at any given time um in kentucky I believe the number is uh, around six or seven million uh, bourbon barrels and whiskey barrels full. Wow! <laughs> and uh, so endless supply. You know, we're just we're you know they're growing that oak now in uh, in a farm or they're farming that oak, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, to where they get uh, usable oak in about twenty years. Oak barrels are like the Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah. There's, well, there's millions around yeah. in the country. There always will be. Everywhere you look. There always will be. Which is weird, them. considering you have to let the wood season for like a year or two years or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. They're, they're doing all that for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I just point out that I, could ha- I would like to have nope. Todd on every single week because I'm a lazy douche and I ask one question and then he gets all my sub-questions before I yeah, have to yeah, say a word. Yeah. Well, he's probably done this before and that's my problem too. I'm sitting here, uh, I'm sitting here going, okay, I need to jump in. I need to say... Oh, you answered... Okay, well... The, I love no, it. I, I'm, so I'm just going to make a dumb joke. <laughs> Todd, you're great. How is, how is that different than normal? <laughs> I don't hey, Tom, know. Oh, this Elijah Craig is awesome, by the yeah. way. We just cracked Oh, you're that into one. that? Now, yeah. we just opened it right now. I haven't okay. tasted it yet, but... I'd, I'd love for somebody to, to um, kind of describe what you're tasting. I'd like... Or at least make the comparison to the I get more. I well, get tell the more. listeners what the beer is before yeah. we do that so they can play Very along. Good. What is this Very beer? 
Uh, once again, it is the, um, the totality. This was aged for approximately 220 days, or 225 days in a 12-year-old Elijah Craig barrel. Um, Elijah Craig is a higher-end uh, mm-hmm. bourbon that comes from the Heaven Hill Distillery. Very good. And uh, the, uh, the 12-year-old is a single barrel, um, and that means that uh, there's sing- you'll hear single terms like single batch and then single barrel. A single barrel is generally, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's 10 or fewer barrels um, blended and uh, generally tasted um, uh, by the, the, the head distiller and then dedicated to that bottling. And uh, I found it interesting as I started to really get into uh, d- distilling and what have you that uh, no particular whiskey goes into the barrel as a brand um, at, once it's put in. It's, it's only after time, mm. you know, 10 years, 12 years that it's declared a particular product. Hmm. I found that interesting, but oh. uh, yeah, at Heavy your, Hill in particular, that's your tasting. Um, that, that it's only after the aging process that these beers or these uh, whiskeys or bourbons are designated, you know, what their actual brand is. Well, I guess depending that makes, on how it's aged. Well, I guess that makes sense. I mean, in bourbon and whiskey, you're, you're pretty strict on your recipe. Exactly. So, and then you distill it, and it's pretty much a, a bland, you know, not you know flavorless, but low yeah. on flavor impact thing. And then it's like you said, the cooperage where you get the barrel from, how long the toast is, how long the contact time is, all the temperature stuff. That's what makes yeah, well, your final exactly. product. That's right? what's really so, interesting yeah. about it is that where it's spent its you know quote unquote life in the rack house or the rick house yeah. is uh, really going to determine how it turns out. And, uh, you know, there's places that are not so desirable, like the exterior walls. Um, and then there's the inside, which is, I guess, where most of these, uh, the sweet spot is, mm-hmm. where these barrels sit for, you know, up to, uh, you know, 20 years or more. Now, um, something interesting, uh, we, uh, th- in this year's vintage, the uh, 2011 Eclipse, um, we have Elijah Craig that we... Uh, called 20-year, and apparently only commercially available um, as there's Elijah Craig 12-year and there's Elijah Craig 18-year. But the barrels that we have are actually dated um, at being filled 20 years, so uh, that faux pas on our part is uh, the age of the, of the, the product that was in the barrel and not necessarily representative of the commercial product. Uh, um, so that, it was interesting, but uh, we didn't know that we didn't do our due diligence on uh, on what we named it prior well, the, to uh, putting those on uh, uh, up for a future sales. If I can say, oh, and by the way, I want to talk to you about your future sales before we okay. go too, because that's an interesting <laughs> program. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, if I can. You know, just kind of start the conversation about how this one tastes like Todd wants us to do. I just want to talk about the nose. The nose yeah. on this one is more of a bourbon nose than I got out of the last one. Whereas the last one, I could sense a little bit of, of alcohol heat in the nose. But it just was more of the chocolate, like an imperial stout. This one, though, I instantly thought, oh, yeah, bourbon. 
Yeah, you get more of an American that, that, oak aroma. <clears throat> that carries through you know? that bourbon flavor all the way through. It the does carry all. I agree with that, and but not in a hot, harsh, or no, no. In, for that matter, no. guy over here Our, who doesn't really like bourbon all that much. It doesn't do any of that. It, not it's boozy just, anything, it's, no. it's not boozy. That's a gr- I love that descriptor. That I always forget it for some reason. See, I get alcohol out of it, but it's a sweet alcohol. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I get a lot of deep caramel notes, which, like you said, the American oak kind of you know flavor. I get a a, a lot of that coconut and caramel it, it, yeah. blended with the beer and from the barrel. You can tell like uh, seamlessly. Now the, there's a big difference. The, uh, the Rittenhouse Rye is actually a rye whiskey. Um, it's actually produced in the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the uh, Pennsylvania style. Or uh, is that what this uh, is? And that was whereas, the first one. Whereas ah. the bourbon um, has to have um, at least, I believe, it's 51 percent corn um, to actually be to be declared a bourbon. If I'm wrong here, somebody chime in and tell me. But um, whereas the rye um, whiskey uh, <laughs> is a a younger product it's only like four years old in the barrel and it will come off quite um whiskey forward so very alcoholic very kind of almost rough or abrupt um because of its it doesn't have a lot of time in the barrel in the grand scheme of things when you taste the the 12 year old it's by far more nuanced it's had a lot more time to marry um in with the the wood and when we get that barrel, um, all of that character is still there, even though we you know, let the alcohol itself dry out. That 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 wood, and it's the you know the the wood sugars and what have you that are still in the staves. That's what we're pulling that flavor, those flavors from. It's it's really pretty spectacular. And the, this is the fine there's line. There's something I going think. on there it, uh, that can't be much beyond <laughs> alchemy. That uh, you know, but it's a, it's a great flavor, and it's like two. Ex- to to put in front of you two different um, versions of of Eclipse that basically came from the same base beer. Those are two distinctly different beers. Completely yeah. different. Very. And, yeah, uh, yeah, but yet, you know, it's it's still a part of the umbrella. And you know that that's what I'm trying to 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 put out there for the for the public to taste to, for beer connoisseurs or people that haven't had a barrel aged beer or very little exposure to craft beer, but to try these and see what the flavors are. And, you know, in the process, I hope we're bringing some people onto the the craft beer bandwagon, but um, just, you know, the flavors that are are there is something that I like to feel that, uh, you know, I'm sharing or, you know, getting people exposed to that when, when somebody says, oh, I don't like barrel-aged beer, like one of the people there or don't care for it as much, but when when I can expose to them these different flavors, it's like you know, do you really like not like all of them or just one particular one? Oh, you are and definitely uh, you're the you know, as you're we've the... expanded the Eclipse program, we've gotten in. You know, we're specifically looking for different barrels. Uh, we're we're doing brandy now. Um, we're getting barrels from different distilleries, um, and this year for the first time. We're going to be doing a uh, a grand crew, a blend of all ty- all the types of barrels that we're using. Beautiful, and uh, just to see what you know we can present. But I think that overall, um, the different range of flavors that we're creating here with one base beer yeah. is just it's worth you know for me it's it's a lot of fun. 
Um, yeah. And that's always kind of what it it needs to be to keep me interested. But we're also doing it. It uh, it, it does promote the additional sale. Um, you know, so from a commercial standpoint, you know, people usually aren't going to buy just one. They're going to buy one of each, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, one drink, one to sell, man. Yep. Well, uh, you know, and then we also have uh, That's you know, the, the folks yeah. that are they're holding on to them so that eventually, when there's a five year vertical, it won't be mm-hmm. it won't be five. It's going to be like sixteen or seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have one of each version, mm-hmm. which uh, we will end up having at the end of this year, wow, two thousand seven to two thousand eleven, I believe there's going to be sixteen or seventeen of them. So. What, what I'm getting out of this also uh, now that it kind of warms up is a little barrel tannin. Yeah, is it all American oak? Is it safe to assume that if you got a bourbon or a whiskey barrel, it's yeah, American it's all oak? American. Have you played around with the uh, French oak or Hungarian or uh, um, only with the the Baltic porter that, that we did for City Beer? And um, you know, the thing with um, when you're, I haven't used fresh oak except once, and uh, it's usually so overpowering that it really does clobber the beer. So it's essential to actually get for uh, aging beer. To get the the barrels used, um, and with wine, um, French oak, uh, generally if they get three turns, which is uh, the ones that we used, um, had three turns of Cabernet Sauvignon um, go through them. They were actually when they were sold, they were quite oak neutral, um, and we ended up um, having to use French oak spirals to actually get. Uh, some of the desired oak character mm-hmm. into that beer, so mm-hmm. it, it's interesting. And uh, the other thing is, most of the uh, the Hungarian and French oak and what have you is uh, tends to be extremely expensive, mm-hmm. and even used are uh, in some cases quite still quite uh, cost prohibitive. So mm-hmm. um, haven't really gotten into it yet, but uh, we do have, like I was saying earlier, we have a small sour program going with a few. Um, of those, uh, the same barrels that uh, we use. I bought nine of them um, from a brew, uh, winery in in uh, Napa Valley, and they're getting good use. Todd, if you do as well with these sours that you're experimenting with as you're doing with these barrels, then I'm probably moving to Truckee <laughs> because uh, I'm a sour fan, and uh, you know, Russian. I'm not going to move to Santa Rosa anytime soon. Is that if you can't get an apartment in Brussels? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then I'm going to Truckee instead. That, you know what? That's a good second to me. And what I wanted to say about these barrels, we we talked about this before, and I'm a little picky, kind of like JP about the barrel side. What I used to think was, a, and I, I still think. Uh, you know, there's a fine line between a barrel-aged beer that becomes, um, well, now it's just it's more bourbon, it's more boozy, like uh, like Tasty would say. Um, it, it stops being a beer at one point. Between these two beers that we've just tasted from Utah, that narrow line just got bigger for me. Now it feels more like a corridor. Now it feels like there is some space to bounce back and forth um, between how much uh, of the barrel you pick up, how much of the bourbon you pick up, because... Really, a lot of the examples I've had are either very subtle, and those are the ones I like, or way too much on the bourbon side. And you've just shown me two awesome examples that space that out, you know? I think- uh, it, it does, like I was saying earlier, it, the time that the beer spins in the barrel is critical. Because you can end up with either too much or too little, and it really, 
you know, you need to have a beer that can stand up to it and, and make sense. And I, I know for a lot of a lot of places that uh, either they're doing a, a, a portion of barrel um, barrel aging and then blending it back into a, a greater sum of non-barrel aged beer. Okay. Yeah. Um, all of our beer at fifty fifty that's uh, barrel aged. It's a hundred percent barrel aged. Everything spends that time in the barrel, mm. and uh, I can't see you doing it another way. It's a, to get it dialed in. That's what has to be done. Okay, but you've given based on that, you've given me two numbers <coughs> to think about. Your first number was how long did the bourbon spend in that barrel? Because you yep. talked about how much it associated with the wood, and then. So then you have that factor, and then the second factor is how long is your beer going to spend in that barrel? Exactly. Okay. And that you know that's part of the what the Eclipse program is intended to do is to demonstrate those things. Okay. And uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna try to do uh, to you know make up more of that apparent um, in our uh, our marketing efforts and and what have you that. What we're doing is trying to just demonstrate um, in non-sour beer um, how this how this works. And uh, one of the things that we're not going uh, that we didn't offer in futures, but uh, will end up getting bottled, um, not as Eclipse, but as a product called Bart, which was a uh, depending on how you like to describe it, um, uh, an acronym: uh, barrel aged and real tasty. Or uh, the fact that it was a, a beer brewed for a, a long lost uh, pet that uh, uh, was a little mutt dog that uh, hung out, hung around from the time that we started home brewing until we were actually brewing professionally. My brother and I, um, and his name was Bart. He was a great dog. I'll take and, choice uh, number two. Yeah, I think it's you know, about, we, uh, if it's I have the choice, I'll take about the, the dog. dog. Yeah. I love that dog. But okay, thanks, guys. You're welcome. <laughs> um, the third should be because it, it sounds like fart. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, some people, because when we introduced it, um, I think we had it at one of the barrel-aged events at the Bistro in Hayward, and uh, a lot of people thought it might have been to acknowledge how to take get uh, get back home. <laughs> um, <laughs> Reminder. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, take the train back. Yeah. But right. it's a... Uh, you know, uh, just a great beer, and it, what it is is a blend of uh, our imperial stout and our barley wine, um, old conundrum, and uh, we'll actually be getting that in the bottles uh, this year. But it'll probably be, uh, you know, not in a fancy bottle like the Eclipse is, and it'll uh, you know, probably be at a slightly lower price point. But um, I know a lot of people have been asking us to get that into the bottle, and we're going to do it this year. Great. Um, okay. So, I I want to talk about futures, and I've got a few listener questions in front of me. Do you have okay. time to sit through another break, Todd? Sure. Okay. Um, I actually need one, so. <laughs> Good. As do we all. So do we. All right. We're going to take us a five- or six-minute break. I'll put a song in there so everyone can relax and get a beer. And uh, when we come back, if we can talk uh, about your futures program, which I think is pretty uh, astonishing in the beer world. And then sure. we've got one more beer of yours to try, too. Okay. All right. Hang in there. We are talking to Todd Ashman. He's with 5050 Brewing Company, of course. And uh, let me tell you, if you haven't had one of his barrel-aged beers... Go to eBay and find one. <laughs> because you are... And you know what? Go ahead and pay 300 bucks. <laughs> I don't care. 
It's really good. And then give us 20% of that finder's fee. <laughs> All right. Hang in there. It's the session. When we come back, we're going to talk about a, a unique program that uh, 5050 is doing, plus one more of their barrel-aged beers. It's the session. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. BN Army, HopTech has a great discount waiting for you. Do you often find it difficult to find specific specialty ingredients for your homebrew recipes? Well, listen to this. HopTech stocks 59 different grains to choose from, 39 varieties of pellet hops, and 8 kinds of holy pops. And HopTech not only carries Y yeast and White Labs yeast for you, but also Fermentus, 04, 5, 6, 23, 33, and T58 Belgian yeast, plus Cooper's Nottingham and Windsor yeasts. Got your recipe ready to go? Pick up some great brew gear like new long and short sleeve shirts, games, and more. HopTech's new website is being updated every day with new items. If you don't see it, call the shop. They're open six days a week. BN Army and AHA members get a 10% discount, and active military personnel get 15% off. Visit HopTech.com today for great selection, great service, and a great discount. HopTech.com. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, Special Rotating Taps, and the BN Army Member Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. From the stovetop to a camp burner to some kind of brew stand. Most homebrewers follow some version of this progression. With each move, a homebrewer will often have to change a lot, if not all, of their equipment. Until now, Blickman Engineering brings you the top-tier brewing stand. The only brewing stand that grows with you. For example, buy a top-tier floor-standing burner now, and it'll bolt right to your top-tier brewing stand when you're ready for all-grain brewing. The top-tier brewing stand is perfect for 5-gallon to 20-gallon batch sizes. Its modular design is adjustable and accommodates everything from small footprint coolers up to 30-gallon pots. How does the top-tier brewing stand do it? At its core is a strong, heat-treated, and anodized aluminum main post. On all four sides are built-in T-slots for the adjustable heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves and beefy burner tiers. The tiers accommodate any manufacturer's pots or coolers up to 21 inches in diameter. Best of all, not only does the top-tier brewing stand grow with your skills and equipment, but it easily knocks down for long-term storage or transport, too. The top-tier brewing stand from Blickman Engineering. Learn more at BlickmanEngineering.com and to find a local Blickman retailer and start brewing from the top tier. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. 
Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Wait till you can pour it out of your own kegerator. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your friends will look at you with awe. And, and it's stuff. just hot. It is? It's so super hot. <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. Welcome back to the program, everybody. Thanks for sticking around. we got a couple more things to talk about before we lose Mr. Todd Ashman from 5050, who's hanging out with us today. And also, it's worth noting that hanging out with us today and the first time that ever, anyone's ever been allowed behind the console with me. On the console side. Uh, behind it, not under it. Under it, anyone, a lot of people are. If anyone, it should be this man. Doc is back in action with us tonight. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good to be back. All right. And, uh, and that sound great? Wow, nice time. He's behind there, and he's sharing your mic, and he's sharing a mic, Holy and he's hanging shit. out back here. And and Todd, he 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 brought what would theoretically be absinthe if he were allowed to have uh, distilled that at his own home, but which course, he's not, which he's not allowed and he, to. And of course, he doesn't. So he didn't. But theoretically, if he was allowed to, he would have that here with him today. What it is? It's it's the recipe on paper. Right. That's what it is. And it looks tasty. It looks really good. Which is going to be the perfect end to us drinking Todd's, uh, you know, imperial barrel-aged beers tonight, I'm sure. We're in so much trouble. (laughs) Right. All right, Todd. Uh, so I've got questions for you from the listeners, but before we do that, I wanted to talk about this futures program that you guys do. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just learned about this, too, uh from again one of our listeners was talking to me about it and essentially if it's kind of like becoming a club member i th- if i understand it right with 5050 and you can basically you pre-order things like these eclipse series and these rare beers that he's putting out you kind of pay half up front it's called a futures program and then you kind of get in line to get them and then you, you pay the rest later am i getting close here Todd? yeah i wouldn't use the term club though it's it's really a um we're, following, we're doing something that essentially has been going on in the wine industry for quite some time. Mm. And what we're doing is uh, essentially offering the product uh, to folks who are willing to pay half down and uh, be assured getting the product um, rather than waiting uh, for the product to be released um, in December and... Uh, or go the eBay route or what have you. It's, it it uh, was quite interesting to see how this year how much more uh, we did. We I can't give you a number, but it was significantly greater than what we did the first year, which was last year. Okay. And uh, 
but it was stunning. Um, the first 24 hours were quite remarkable. We had no idea. Um, but uh, what we're only going to be shipping within the state of California, so the thing that we saw happen that we really didn't expect was that the number of uh, proxy offers um, go out for folks. Uh, it's like, hey, can I order this through you? And, uh, you know, that that person would proxy and then ship, you know, beer um, to whomever um, outside of the state. And uh, it, you know, a lot of uh, uh, beer geek cooperation would be the only way to to put it. It was uh, quite quite remarkable. Right. But, um, really, it, it just it's getting product uh, to the to our um, the die. You know, I want to say the diehards, but the, the sure. true believers. Um, yeah. It gives them an opportunity to get and. Uh, Access to the product and get guaranteed product, and if, you know, on top of that, pay a lower price um, at the end of the day or at the end of the wait, if you would. Yeah. Um, than they would if they bought it commercially at uh, a retailer. So, I think it's self-explanatory why I like this idea so much. For one, it does respect the fan of the beer, and the guy really knows what he wants, and so he gets a chance to get in there early. It cuts down on the price a little bit. Also, because I've seen how breweries sometimes struggle with these programs, like a like a program that, that Todd's doing where beer has to wait around for 12 months and do these types of things, it's not a cheap thing to do. It's a very difficult thing for a brewery to figure out. And to me, this seems like a way to, to start to bridge that gap where you're, you're being paid some of that up front so that you're able to hold on to it until it's ready rather than releasing it when the accountant is ready. So when the drinker drinker's applying the capital for you. Right. Nice, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that that's part of your approach, Todd, and, and, and if so, uh, I love it. It is. I wouldn't say that you know we wouldn't do it if we couldn't offer futures, but it, at the end of the day, um, uh, we ha- now have a, a dedicated barrel aging space. Um, we acquired over a hundred uh, barrels this year. Um, we're uh, going to be purchasing a, a forklift. Uh, you know, things like that. Things that we probably couldn't have otherwise done, but at the same time, uh, this is p- part of our growing process. You know, ultimately, you know, into a bigger brewery, um, making uh, lots more beer, but, you know, there has to be a point where, you know, we're a, a small brew pub now, and eventually we'll have a production facility, but Right. We're bridging that gap the best way we can, and uh, at the moment, uh, you know, this is it's one way that we are are working to our you know um, to get to our our growth goal. Well, I, I love the idea. I do wonder what is your brother going to do if you guys purchase a forklift, though. <laughs> I mean, well, have on. a lot of lot of fun. It's just you know we. Uh, I, you know, I admire the folks that are there now. You know, the, the fire, uh, Firestone Walker. You know, Matt Brindelson's doing a great job. Um, I think of uh, Tommy Arthur down at Port Lost Abbey. He's doing a great job, and we kind of we want to get there too. Uh, you know, another one's uh, Patrick Rue at the brewery. Those guys uh, all do great barrel aging work, and you know, we want to get there too. And it's just uh, when we started, we are in a very tight spot, and we just we want to grow, and we're we're doing what we can to get there, and it's uh, we're having fun along the way. Good. I'm glad to see it. 
All right, let um, me do some listener questions if I can. Could I um, do one thing real quick? Sure. I just wanted to uh, uh, make an announcement for those uh, uh, diehard Eclipse fans um, that have been asking uh, ever since we did the Futures about a little party we have in Truckee um, the day before we release Eclipse. It's, we did it last year. It was a kind of a, uh, a small gathering that we did at the, at the brewery. And uh, we um, had uh, presented all of the 2009 and all of the 2010 um, Eclipse vintages and had uh, charcuterie and uh, artisan cheese and uh, fun stuff like that. And it was a great little powwow. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do that again this year. And the date of that is going to be December 8th. That's going to be a bigger and better event. Um, and... Uh, Further details are coming, um, but I want to do a announce that to your listeners and uh, let everybody know that it, again it's December the eighth. So mark your calendar. Todd already told Brewing TV though. Oh, you told Brewing TV first. Oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> we really appreciate your remorse. We really appreciate that. Yeah, they're, 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 well, they're friends. Anyway, it's a great event. I'd like to ask everybody that's in the control room there. If you could, if you can make it up, you know, I I think you'd have a great time, and I'd love to make you it. You know, up, uh, you know, come and hang out and actually experience a little bit of uh, the fifty fifty hospitality, and of course, you know, we still have some two thousand nine and two thousand ten and two thousand eleven, and we might even get into a little bit of the Pappy Van Winkle. Uh, wow, two thousand eight, but uh, you know, and we're so going to do some uh, special stuff. Uh, that we can't really talk about right now, but uh, will be, uh, you know, part of the program. So, yeah, I got that on my I calendar, Todd, because I want to be about that. Our part we can't talk about right now. I want some of that. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, you got to show up. I'll be there for that. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Yeah. All right, BNers and folks in the room here, December eighth. That's well, I got it written down. As here. if I need a reason to go skiing. I'm uh, one oh, yeah, yeah, this is perfect. Yeah, yeah. timing. Let's hope there's a Surf's nice uh, Thanksgiving snowstorm so we can go up and exactly. do a little boarding and a little mm-hmm. tasting. I like it. BN remote. Is that Pearl Harbor Day or something? Yeah. <laughs> December eighth, is it? I think it is. It's a good vacation day for you. You're self-employed, Seven. tasty. Every day's Pearl Harbor. Yeah, it's day. like half day. All right, here's a couple. So I've got some listeners in the chat room. Sounds like a disaster. And they're asking questions. Get uh, bombed. For you. Let me do those first. Then I had some email questions for you too, Todd. Okay. So people excited to talk What's to you. Email? All right, Nico wrote in. He said, "Is there a limit to how long beer should stay in in a barrel? Is that relative to recipe, or um, you know, just leaving it in there for longer just make it that well, much better?" There, there comes a point because um, the barrels do breathe, and uh, they will eventually. Um, you know, there's things that exist in the wood themselves. There, you know, there's going to be um, you know, some, the the possibility of uh, osmotic yeasts, and uh, you know, one of the things that I've I've found is that in the barrel, uh, in the the spirit uh, uh, rack houses, the rick houses, uh, there is an awkward kind of mold that grows that actually is alcohol tolerant, <coughs> and when the uh, when the the alcohol or the you know the the bourbon or the whiskey pushes out of the staves in the summer when it, it expands, um, the alcohol will evaporate, leaving the wood sugar and what have you that pushed out, and then that 
attracts a, a mold, um, an awkward-looking mold. And I think some of that becomes resident in the staves. And eventually, if uh, the beer goes through enough hot and cold cycles um, where it expands into the staves and then comes back out, that eventually that mold will become resident in the beer. And then I think eventually you're looking at things like, uh, you know, uh, soy sauce and darker beers are just kind of off or awkward uh, tasting beer. And... uh, so I think, you know, when you're looking at, well, and a good example would be, and I'm not saying that this is bad, it's actually good, is the Bourbon County Rare from Goose Island. That spent two years in a barrel, and it came out quite well. But I think that if you go beyond that, and I actually think two years is pushing the envelope in some cases, that, uh, you know, I think right around a year to a year and a half at the most. Um, but, you know, I've had efforts that, have gone you know quite beyond that and are good but i think on the average i think the uh, the amount of evaporation that's occurring and other uh, other factors could actually make your uh, aging effort uh kind of a lost effort so it, it's it's important i guess once you get beyond a year to start tasting uh pulling samples out of the barrel every couple of months and seeing where it's headed do you dump many batches or barrels, I guess? Um, or let it sit? What would you be your recommendation well, we, to home brewers? I've, I've had one, and I, I know for a fact that, because uh, I'm in contact with a lot of people that, have, that do this, and uh, we've actually, uh, someone that uh, was with um, Alltech, which is a, an alcohol school in Kentucky, and they also do a lot of uh, um, alcohol work in general, um, just to analyzing and what have you, that they were uh, uh, plating out the contents of, uh, you know, they they get a, a Q-tip or a, a, te- a, a swab, and they'd swab right around the uh, the inside of the bung um, on a freshly emptied, emptied barrel, and uh, they were plating out, you know, lacto. Um, so it can, I think, that even right after they're emptied, that they can actually start to pick up bacteria and what have you and i think that uh you know every once in a while you'll run into one of these uh, barrels that is a stinker and you know your product's basically done from the the word go and uh you know it is what it is i've last year i had to basically sewer one barrel um huh. out of you know right around 50 and it just it wouldn't it would have ruined mm-hmm. um anything that we would have blended it with and if we would have isolated it from the time that I first tasted it to the time that we actually got around to dumping it, it had gone from uh, a funky red wine to absolute soy sauce. So there was something not right in that barrel from the get-go, but the barrels that surrounded it were all fine and uh, taste great even to this day. So it was just, it, you know, it happened. You just have to be, uh, you know, aware of it so that, you know, you make the, the, the appropriate... Uh, measures to make sure it doesn't get you know even the 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 wine thief or the you know the hose that uh, gets the beer out of that barrel keep it isolated or get it sanitized get it cleaned and sanitized as quickly as possible so that there isn't any cross-contamination all right well todd do you do any like finished like a lab work on the finished beer to see if it uh 
contains any of these organisms that you don't want in the um, in the We tank? haven't yet, but I do have some bottles of a product that we did in 2009 mm-hmm. that I, I, I do plan on getting. Uh, I think we're going to send them to White Labs and mm-hmm. have them uh, take them apart and you know take a look at what uh, what, what was in there. But I think that you know by and large that uh, it was it was post production handling. Oh. That created the problem, right. and uh, you know I think that more than anything um, is our biggest concern. Is uh, from the time that we extract it from the barrel, uh, get it cold, get it carbonated, and into a bottle. That's the most dangerous point. <laughs> I think that where we can really yeah, foul it that's up. That's where you got your neck out there, or contaminated. So it's yeah. it's important to kind of keep an uh, keep an eye on it. Cool. And oh. make sure that you're not doing anything untoward to, to damage. So, okay, another question. Zanzibir wrote in, um, if you ever filter your barrel-aged beers. Um, no, I, no. Um, that, and this is a really interesting point, and I'd like to, you know, clarify something. But, no, I, I would be absolutely horrified um, by handling it um, in that manner because it just... Um, at least uh, we use a plate and frame filter here when we do filter, and it just the the level of handling you have to do to make sure that you're not oxidizing as you go through the the, the filter sheets is so significant that the, the actual loss of product um, would be just so much money down the drain that I I, I couldn't take it. Okay. <laughs> uh, we usually usually lose about a half barrel for every 10 barrels of uh, product we filter. And to do that with uh, Eclipse would be uh, uh, really painful. But yeah. the amount of time that the beer is spending in the barrel, um, the product drops absolutely bright. Huh. There is no, I mean, even though we're using huge amounts of dark grains, you can still see through this product. Um, it's not opaque. And it's because it's sitting there for so long, yeah. still that it, it drops bright. Okay, actually, they looked pretty bright to me too, for especially well, for dark yeah, beers. Well, yeah, you hold like yeah. a, a t- you know your glass up to the light, you should be able to see light through it. It'll be like a deep mahogany, but yeah, like this dark you, ruby you should color. be able to see through it. Or yeah, it's not cloudy. Yeah, yeah it, you know it's it's interesting, and a lot of people. Uh, Kind of, uh, you know, admonishes for that, but I, you know, I, for as long as the beer sits um, in the barrel, it's I haven't found a way to actually keep the stuff to where it's, you know, completely black. Okay, is that the case with all beers? When you filter, you just you lose X percentage of the product, no matter what kind of beer you're filtering. Yeah. Well, yep. it depends, but uh, you know, by nature, um, you know, plate and frame. Um, filters in particular are not meant to operate completely sealed. There has to be some level of leakage, and uh, you know maybe it's the way we do it. We don't actually run a pump when we filter. We do it with uh, head pressure and uh, under CO2 head pressure, huh. and push it through the filter. And it just you know maybe it's uh, the, the filter we have, but it leaks quite a bit. I mean, there's no way to get it to seal, and if you actually did get it to entirely seal, so it's not leaking. It's not going to flow. So it's you know that's the nature of that. Whereas 
um, probably a, a, a DE filter, um, a, a horizontal leaf uh, type of filter. There's probably a little less, but even then when you coat the, um, the leaves with uh, DE, you know, you have to mix in a certain amount of beer. So eventually I think there's still going to be some bit of, of beer loss. Um, it's, it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. Okay. You know, most people aren't filtering their real high-end beers or beers that uh, have a lot of hop content because to do so, you know, either you're stripping flavor or you're losing a significant quantity of product. Uh, Todd, there you... might be there might be methods out there where people aren't doing that, but at I've the at scale that I'm brewing at right now, um, which is fairly, you know, it's as much craft as it is science, and it's probably actually a lot more craft and a lot less science. It's it's you know you're dealing with what you have um, to get things done, so it's I... not very high tech. It's <laughs> uh, most of it's uh, pretty hands on, kind of uh, low tech, I guess. Todd, when you brew Totality, the base beer for uh, for the Imperial Stout Barrel Age project, do you use a, a flocculent yeast strain, or is it something that kind of stays in solution over time? Um, it's a, it's one of the London Ale strains. Okay, it's actually one of the ones that is more flocculent, um, but it's you know over time we don't get when we're u- when we're brewing Totality, we're generally using very low generation, you know, not more than four generations because that product's going to go into a bottle um, and we you know we want to make sure that it's as clean as possible so it, it does flock out but we you know we're those brews are generally starting at about oh 26 27 play-doh and uh, fermenting down to around seven I want to say that's in the 1100s uh, maybe 1105 I might be off on that and then getting uh, going down quite a ways. So you know the yeast is doing its job, and I'm you know I'm very pleased with that. And you know because the one thing that we don't want is it not to fully attenuate or be like overly cloying. And uh, that's one thing that um, if you look at the, some of the beer review site uh, um, beer review sites, they are saying uh, that. Eclipse is a little thin, and, you know, we've tried to address that by getting, driving the gravity up and making sure that there's um, a fair amount of body that's left, and we're doing that, you know, by still fermenting the beer dry, but, and then the, the, the sugar that's left, are, our dextrins are not unfermented, uh, unfermented uh, uh, fermentable sugars. So this yeast has, dro- has dropped out pretty aggressively, being a London nail yeast, by the time you're even thinking about moving it into a barrel and so forth you're not having uh, well we, we this year because of the amount that we're doing and it's you know we're we've ramped up a couple of a uh, couple of times over last year um we're still giving it enough time to fully attenuate and then what we're doing is rather than continuing to let it set in the uh the cylindriconical we're then moving over to a uh, a bright tank and letting it age further but, you know, getting it in the barrel, there'll probably still be a, a fair amount of yeast, but not, you know, significant. But, you know, there's, I, it couldn't have all, I don't feel that it would all have dropped out on its own. But this is probably a good thing because when we actually transfer um, the beer into the barrel, um, a little bit of that yeast would probably scavenge any, uh, any oxygen that may have been picked up, or at least right. some of it. 
and uh, you know I think that that's a good thing but yeah definitely uh, give it some longevity over time yep so if I can piggyback on that question with another listener question Mills had written in if you ever used uh, WLP 007 the White Labs 007 and if you think that's a, a user friendly yeast uh, in terms of dropping out and things like that um, I have not I'm not if anybody that's on like the chat or what have you could possibly let me know what the lineage of that yeast strain is. It's an, it's one of their English ale yeasts, but they have dry two London, English. Yeah. It's the, is that the London ale if yeast? Dry English. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. okay. the the Y yeast equivalent is 1098, and I think okay. that's um, Worthington White Shield is the source of that. And I don't remember the okay. other. The one that I use, from there, and, you know, um, is actually the Young strain. And I don't believe that White Labs has um, an equivalent, or at least the last time I looked. Okay. I don't think um, so. It's uh, 1318 by Y Yeast. Okay. And I, it's been my house yeast uh, since I started brewing. Huh. Very happy with that with that particular yeast. It, it does a, a great job. Okay. Uh, here's um, another... Not, Go ahead. Because uh, I've, I've heard a few people, and I'm sorry to interrupt. It You're was, okay. Uh, some people think that it's a, a diacetyl... Um, producer and it is not or you really have to abuse it to get any uh, diacetyl out of it it is uh if you give it any kind of a diacetyl rest or even a day it'll be fine it, you know it, it works great i uh i'm very happy with uh, the results so that's brought me a lot of accolades over the years and there's no reason to to change really good one Okay, and one more question from the same listener from Mills who emailed me in about this interview. And this is a good question, I think, especially for you. Uh, if you can do a summary for us, he, he says, uh, Hey, Todd, in your opinion, what are the keys to quality stout recipe formulation? What do you think about in your recipe formulation? Uh, it's, it's funny that that question came up after talking about kitchen sink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, but the one thing... I remember when I, as a home brewer, that uh, I was a student of Byron Birch from uh, mm-hmm. the beverage people, and I think before, um, prior to that, it was great fermentations. Yeah. And he has a book I can't think of the name, unfortunately, but there is a, a you know there's recipes for barley wine and imperial stout in there, and it just kind of a little bit of everything. But I, the real important thing is to get enough base malt in there and not to overload on your specialty malts and grains and adjunct. Um, but at the same time, you want complexity. So you've got to keep your specialty malt to a certain percentage of the whole grain bill. And I, I think that if you get beyond 15% and pushing it at 20 um, that's enough. Um, everything else has to have some diastatic power to convert, um, or you're just going to have a big cloying mess. Now, when I, because of what we're doing, we're doing on a very small system, um, I do add pro- um, products to the kettle to drive um, fermentability up. Um, I use a little bit of malt extract, dry malt extract, to, to hit my uh, my gravity target in most cases because I can only get so much gravity out of my mash done. Mm-hmm. And uh, in addition to that, I usually add something a little exotic, and it's just an acknowledgement of something that I've always done 
since the, the days that I, uh, back to the days that I was home brewing, and it's a little bit of uh, an exotic sugar or uh, honey or something like that. And at the moment, I'm using uh, you know what I like to call exo- you know just simply exotic sugar. But for the listeners out there, um, I'm using um, sugars that are at the moment coming from. Uh, Southeast Asia and down into uh, Indonesia and what have you, and so from Japan down all the way down to Indonesia, um, there are very great, interesting uh, uh, caramelized sugars that uh, generally are palm-based, but sometimes palm and cane-based that are uh, are great. And I, you know, sincerely implore all home brewers in the Bay Area. To go to your local ethnic stores, your um, Asian grocery stores, um, your Indian grocery stores, and look for their exotic, you know, their their version of sugar. Their uh, jaggery or um, gur. Jaggery is a great one. Um, in some cases, what I'm using right now, which I absolutely am in love with, is a product called Gula Jawa from Indonesia, and it's a caramelized um, coconut sugar. Or in this case, you know, recently it's been um, coconut and cane sugar caramelized, and it it just delivers some excellent beer flavor. Um, and you can't really taste that it. it's there. It's it's, but it it just adds a great underlying character that uh, no, most people don't pick up on. But I know it's there because I can taste it. But it's a if you haven't ever tasted it, you should try it because it's. If you're a, a fan of brown sugar or muscovado or what have you, this stuff is incredible, and it's by far cheaper. So I hear you can't buy it if you're a woman, though, which is weird. That is weird. Yeah. It sounds very weird, JP. Yeah. It's not like something JP made up. Well, no, I think it's true. <laughs> it's a nod to the heritage of the... <laughs> All right. Well, Todd, listen, uh, you've gotten us a, a decent buzz. You've given us a hell of a lot of information. I'd say... High quality, not even <laughs> high decent. Quality yeah, yeah, it's a really high quality. Also, bus. we didn't mention real quick that we uh, we also we just opened and uh, are sipping on the uh, the anniversary beer, the city beer anniversary beer. Yeah, but this one's really Baltic. good too. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, we talked about it earlier. I just wanted to let you know that we did get to taste it. Baltic yeah. Porter, oh, Carrot Cabernet barrels. Um, just give me a second. I wanted to acknowledge a, a couple of people, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, the, um, the lady down in the Southern California that's handling. A lot of our marketing effort, Amy Barr, thank you for doing your work. And then the owners of 5050, thanks for uh, keeping me uh, employed in this. Uh, <laughs> even though Craft Beer is doing great, you know, we're still in kind of an awkward time in, in our country's history. The economy's poor, but we're all doing great. And uh, thanks for that. And then, of course, everybody there at uh, the Brewing Network uh, for putting up with me for as long as you have. Oh, you um, I had a lot of fun, you know, and... Uh, at first, I was quite anxious. I didn't know if I'd uh, be able to make it through without cracking up or freezing. Um, <laughs> and if Justin's there, I, I'm sure you remember in Colorado at uh, GABF when we were doing Collaborative Evil, and I don't think I could say three words without freezing. So yeah, this I, was a lot of fun. You did fine and, uh, in, in Colorado, for, uh, too. for having me. And... Uh, you guys have a, a great rest of the day. Hey, we will. Todd, you, you've been awesome. And I know you don't make it down here too often because you, you're so busy up there. I know Chad and I are always trying to get you down here for our beer festivals and things like that. But 
I sure would love to have you in the studio for a show because I think you'd have a good time, and and I'd love to pick your brain a little bit more. So certainly, uh, no. We'll try to get you. We'll, you know, we'll do something. We'll try to keep bugging you, and if a date ever works out, we'd love to have you in the studio. Yeah. Well, um, as we get yeah. closer to December, um, December eighth, maybe a little lead up to uh, uh, the eclipse release. Uh, we can kind of perfect generate a little buzz. All right, let's That'd do that. Good, you dude. can do a stop right. at City anyway, Beer, and you, you can hit our place one. on Thanks the way out. Me. Thanks, Todd. Cheers, man. Right. Take care. All right, All right. later, man. All right, Todd Ashman from 5050 Brewing Company does a great job up there, and uh, the beers speak for themselves, and then you get to hear him speak about them, and it's even better because he knows what he's talking about. So uh, he's a good dude and really good beer. That was awesome of him to to send Moscow down with those beers after yeah. he stopped in there. Yeah, because it, it really kind of made the show, too, because we got to really understand. Uh, yeah. We've heard the hype, but when you get to taste the hype, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that dude's a book waiting to happen. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah. Question five minute detailed answer. Question five minute detailed answer. Right. He has a lot of info. Yeah. I used to rap with that guy uh, when I worked at More Beer when he worked at Bruce uh, Bruce Supply. Oh okay. Yeah. I would like he was some your long, phone guy. He's my phone guy, <laughs> man. Yeah, he's I, smart dude. I would like some credit too for for not selling the Eclipse bottles on eBay. That's pretty good. <laughs> As a Jew, not saying no to two hundred and fifty bucks. Give Especially me some credit. With the pay scale around here, exactly. Man. Yeah. All right, you just didn't know what that. All right, Scott. Thank you. <laughs> I'll hey. give you that. So you know what's funny is I was at that show tasting right, and uh, he goes, "Yeah, Brewing Network. Oh yeah, Chad, how are you doing? Great, great." And he goes, "So uh, how did those Eclipse bottles? Did you guys taste them yet?" And I go, "Huh." What are you talking about? Because, oh. well, you're the producer, right? I get, like, this guy came up, and or this guy in the BN said, uh, you know, he needed some beers, and I gave them to him. He's like, you don't know anything about him? I go, no, no. He's sort of oh. chunky facial hair. I thought it was you. <laughs> and he was like, oh, shit. Well, I hope you guys have them. I was like, I, I don't know. And so this was he, Scott was talking about. I was like, oh, thanks for giving the, the bottles you, to me. Chad, you stoner. You've known we've had these <laughs> no, beers no, no. because we've been talking about them no, on this, this show be- for this a was year. Way, this no, is before. No, 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 I, re- this I, remember, cause I remember this because Chad had, oh. and I had the same conversation. He's like, yeah. do you know anything about I'm like, dude, oh, that's hilarious. Is, oh, yeah. Because okay. I didn't know either. Yeah. Okay. I it thought you meant, funny. I thought you meant like at CBC show. It was <laughs> no, no, okay, no, 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 no. I was like, what? <laughs> so you know, half the listeners are just going to start marching into their local whatevers and be like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm the producer for the Brewing Network. Yeah, right. It, so you didn't get them? I was like, uh, oh, I don't no. Know. Maybe we have them. Right. Well, he was great. Uh, a good guest. Glad yeah. he came in today. The chat room's blowing up. So Todd's been in the chat room the whole time. Oh, that's pretty And now cool. he, you know, everyone's just singing his praises. And he's like, I had so much fun. It's been great. Good, good. Yeah, good times. Awesome. All right. Now, Doc and I have a special presentation because Terrence the Black is here. And, uh, you, you know, we've been, you know, we know that it's almost, when's baby mm-hmm. time? Baby time soon? Jackson's coming out soon or what? Uh, Jackson's due on Saturday. Oh, that's oh, really? Soon. Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, min- so minstrel show. So Doc and I had this. This. <laughs> wait, what? Oh, you wow. doing the minstrel show? Because I figured Doc has a hat on. I figured you guys would dance. No, a bit. no, no. <laughs> I don't even know what that Bring means. Bring Becca in here to sing Mammy. Damn, Jipper. Doc and I. We had a photo. We had a photograph made of of of, of uh, baby Jackson that we thought you could hang in the delivery room. Um, and we we didn't really we didn't really have it made. We had to search far and wide for it. And we didn't really have it made. This is what we think that Baby Jackson is going to look like <laughs> right here. It's on the webcam at justin.tv slash brewing network. Looks like a little mini and doll version of Rudy from Cosby Show. <laughs> it is like a little Rudy. Oh, but she's in, she's, she's, in like a little, she's in like a little basket. Well, the thing's already too small for her. So clearly it's born to poor people. <laughs> Man. Right. 
And so, Doc and I, we just thought you would like to have this, uh, at, you know, maybe in your nursery or or that maybe Becca would like it in, the, in the, her delivery room. Yeah, for his motivation. Uh, yeah, like, oh, it's going to be that cute. There are seriously uh, times like this where I wonder why I even hang out with you guys. <laughs> What's great is that Terrence and Becca are having a boy, but Terrence is kind of girly and you just gave him a picture of a black girl. How true. I mean, we think we're, we, we know it's a boy too, but we think that's how Jackson's going to look for a few years. Yeah. You know, kind of like. Like a girl. Very yeah. unclear. Francisco. We don't Come judge. You have an open mind. You, you can't put the kid in a box. Right. Yeah. Or in a very small cradle. Right. And listen, you don't just go to any store and buy that. you got to go to the Ebony store. Yeah, in the back. No, seriously. In the back. <laughs> Even there it's in the back. Yeah. You, get it, yeah. you know, by the Ebony store, I mean the party store in the back. Yeah. <laughs> It's the ebony portion of the breakfast store. Also known as the clearance section. (laughs) Or the Terrence section. You had to drive all the way on the other side of the hill to get that one, too. But, um, you know, anyway, you're welcome. And uh, Yeah, don't be so thankful. We're saying thank you, but okay. (laughs) Well, maybe you should re-examine your values, Uh, Terrence. Man, it's a point, it's a point to count. You know, yeah. If you're, if you're missing gesture. out on this fun, it's justin.tv slash brewery network, the, the video. And it's an archived video. But basically, we've just given uh, Terrence a little placard with a with a nice, a, a beautiful uh, black queen. Uh, in a, a Nubian princess. You're giving yourself oh, too much credit. Normal looking baby. Everybody in the room needs to sign that. Oh, that's true. We're all going to sign it. I forgot that part. Oh, Everyone's going to sign the baby. I'll, I'll be sure to leave it right here. Leave it there. And then, <laughs> Forever. And then, of course, don't worry. Yeah. We'll make sure that you don't forget it. And, yeah. um, we'll laminate it. You want to treasure it. Right. So, okay. anyway, like I said, you you know, you and Becca, you're, you guys are welcome. <laughs> Still hasn't said thank you. Yeah, I still haven't. You're welcome. Well, well maybe you should. <laughs> thank you. I do appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Okay, good. <laughs> I mean, we're really, Terrence, ask yourself what would Jesus do at this point? He would say thank Leave. you. Leave. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus would have left about five minutes ago, actually. <laughs> I can't believe... He would have turned that into a magic carpet and left. <laughs> I can't believe that baby Jackson is due on Saturday, man. This yeah. is a crazy thing. Becca is actually camping right now. What the hell? Yeah, I know. She's really? insane. She's actually camping with her mom She's right awesome. now. She, you guys, you should have porked a week before because how great would the baby be born on Rapture Day? Oh. That would have solidified due, you actually, in the religious community, man. Baby Jackson was due the day before Rapture Day. They changed her due date, so it was he was due the 20th, and I was like, your baby's the Antichrist. Oh. <laughs> well, Satan baby. Yeah. Well, interracial marriages, you know. <laughs> Even Terrence is like, wait a second, is that funny or not? Yeah, that was an uncomfortable yeah, look from okay, Terrence, and I'm funny. not used to it. Now I feel uncomfortable. No, that was funny. <laughs> he ended up deciding it was funny. Okay, good. Not racist if no. Terrence says it's funny. You know our barometer. <laughs> I give it the thumbs up. It's all, all right. right. Good. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I mean, and when Terrence isn't here, if Sam laughs, we decide it's not racist. Whatever the <laughs> or maybe hell that, it is. Whatever that means. That's a terrible choice. That's a weird barometer we have. What the fuck, Sam? No, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, Sammy pops his head in the doorway. What? <laughs> okay, we're gonna take us a uh, another quick break. Uh, when we come back, we've got some feedback to do. Not very much of it, Doc. Uh, oh come yeah. on, Doc wants a good one. We'll make some up. Oh, ask him a question. Has, it's gone to shit with that. But uh, a tasty. We'll have some questions. I have a for, question for Doc. For Doc, uh, Doc and I are manning the controls for the end here. 
I heard a rumor that the producer of our TV show might be making an appearance tonight. We might get to talk about BYOB TV from the uh, from the really? producer uh, standpoint. I saw a shitty brother here. I didn't know that he was here. Yeah, like I said, it was a rumor that he uh, might show up later. Uh, so we'll see if that happens. All right. And uh, I thought I had something else to do, but I'll figure that out when we come back. Good. All right, it's the session. Hang in there for just a couple minutes. We'll be back with more. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah. Uh, White Labs. It's all in the vial. Since 1921, Mundins has been a provider of quality malted grain and extract. What did he just say? What did he say? That's 90 years of locally sourced grain for home brewers and professional brewers alike. All farm within 50 miles of our malt houses. What? I can't understand what this guy said. the last part. Whole and crushed malts, including wheat and peated malt, liquid extract, hopped and unhopped, as well as dried malt extract. Everything from beginner home brewer kits to all the ingredients an infant's home brewer needs. Something about trained? What? Language is this guy speaking? He's from Austria. <laughs> Mundins is proudly serving brewers in 54 countries and honored to be a leader in malting. Can you understand this guy? No. <laughs> That's a really free language. Muntons for brewing, distilling, and baking. Quality malted grain and extract for 90 years. Make your malt Muntons. Here's a bite for beer lovers. Soft caramel made with real craft brew and coated in chocolate. And hop drops. Hard candies made with real hop oil. Introducing Beer Candy from BeerCandy.com. Beer Candy's amazing caramels come in four mouth-watering flavors. IPA, bitter gold wrapped in smooth white chocolate. Lager, made with a familiar beer from Boston and coated in milk chocolate. Lambic, soury Belgian goodness full of fresh raspberry and dipped in dark chocolate and stout roasty cocoa chocolate insanity hop drops are made with fuggles or cascade hops and are known as the candy that bites you back choose from sampler and full sizes of both and make your mouth jump to life all at beercandy.com hop drops and beer caramels satisfy your sweet tooth as only a beer lover could with beer candy visit beercandy.com today What's funny is, brewers will say, yeah, I don't brew to stop. I'm brewing my own beer. And it's like a German Pilsner, but it's black. Yeah, it's a sports beer. Sports beer. beer. <laughs> you know? The, the home of live beer radio. Thebrewingnetwork.com. Because like beer, radio shouldn't. 
program thanks for sticking with us once again and thanks to todd ashman from 5050 brewing company who did an awesome job talking to us about barrel aged beers and and what he does over there i hope you learned a lot i know i did i'll forget it tomorrow but i learned it tonight i don't even know where i am right now it was good thanks to todd's strong beer and his strong is nine and a half percent barrel aged beers that we got to share that was pretty good too all right, you can go to justin.tv slash brewing network. You can tune into the studio cam there. You can hit the chat now button, and uh, Bevo will pass questions along to us. And also, uh, we'll probably start taking Drunk of the Week calls. It's our last segment of the night. So 888-401-BEER, 888-401-BEER, if you want to call in for Drunk of the Week. We have a couple special guests with us right now, and uh, I think we'll start with uh, Mr. Michael Orkin. And his brother Jimmy's hanging out with us tonight, too. So let me give you a little background here. So Jimmy Orkin uh, has been a BN listener for what? Too long. Uh, for, a, for Yeah, probably longer than he cares to admit. And um, he went to our, uh, I think... We went to one of our BN events years ago, and afterwards we all went to dinner at the 2A, and he happened to introduce me to his brother Michael. His brother Michael uh, works in the TV business, uh, in the shitty TV, TV business, I should point out, but in the TV business, uh, no less. And, uh, and, and Michael, at the end of it, you know, he, he liked meeting us all, and he, and he said, if you ever have any TV ideas, you know, just give me a call. And uh, as you all know, I don't ever have any ideas. No. I just uh, invite you guys to come here and, and give me ideas. Well, and yeah. so I never had anything. And one day, finally, Michael uh, sends me an email and he says, hey, I got a, a beer company who wants to do a beer show, and I met you, and do you think you can do it? And and the rest is history, because now we have this you know hugely successful, <laughs> uh, uh, massive ratings. It's a mega deal. I well, mean, it's, We don't even know if he still can do it. We're still trying to find that out. <laughs> right. I mean, now I'm practically like the Tom Cruise of the beer world. Yeah, super because gay. Of, because of this... <laughs> Uh, in other words, uh, yeah, this sorry, tiny just... little show called BYOB TV got yeah. started up from through Jimmy and Michael, the producer, and uh, he's a, a co-creator with us. is in the studio, man. Welcome. Hey, fantastic! And could there be any more people in this room? I know, <laughs> right? Room. Yeah. Smells like yeah. balls and farts. Could pack in at least ten more in here. I think right now. Hey, fade the camera back, Jim. Smells like good weed too. I think. Yeah, I know. It gets. Uh, Holy it's... cow! There's like a giant spider on the table and people everywhere. What? We cleaned up the dildos for you, Orkin, because we didn't know if you would be okay with our dildo bottle openers. Well, he, I hate dirty dildos. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't pay attention. He'd just be fingering the wiener on the dildo. Oh, but Nicole's bringing them back for you. So. Fantastic. <laughs> there you go. She was a way around those things. So, Michael's actually been doing TV for... How long have you been doing TV? 25 years. Is that right? Yeah. Which explains why uh, you hate it now. I do hate it. How long <laughs> How long you been good at it? Yeah. I was good at it about... Ten years ago when I quit. <laughs> Just My, good enough to quit, and then you don't like it anymore. Right. Michael is awesome on the set because, you know, he, he shows up, and uh, he does he does a little bit of directing. Yeah. And within about 20 minutes, you you realize how much he hates TV <laughs> because he, he he's hard to find after the first 20 minutes. You're like, where the hell is Michael? I don't know. He think he's, I think he's chilling over there with a beer right yeah. now. 
Yeah. Well, that's, you know, you get things straightened out and uh, let you guys do your thing and right. make sure somebody's pointing the camera in the right direction and let the, let the stuff happen. And, and viola. The there it is. <laughs> then go take a nap in the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the other, so the, Michael actually really is a, a, a great producer because he does give good direction and he doesn't give a lot of direction. I think that that seems to be part of your thing. You just, you let it happen. Um, I, I used to, and then I, I quit TV. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you come back to TV? I gotta, gotta earn a living somehow, so. I see. But, uh, the working hard at it, I really did give up on and you guys kind of dragged me out of retirement. Okay. So I'm, uh, it's been kind of fun, uh, actually coming back and, you know, getting real TV done. And I'm really proud of what we've done with what we had to work with. Talking about meaning ha- JP. Talking about half off. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we haven't had a lot to work with, but yeah. Well, now we've talked about some of the the pitfalls of the show. It's it's a difficult show to do. We're, we're of limited staff, but uh, you know it, you've been doing this for a while, and 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 you seem to think that we've done an okay job with this BYOB TV. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, for what we have to work with and yeah. the budget we're working on, it's it's pretty phenomenal. And I'll put <clears throat> I'll put it up against anything anybody's ever done on this kind of budget. Um, the, the interesting story is I got a. Uh, email from craig cohen the uh gm at coffee he says i got a buddy at abc he's working on a show and he watched uh, your first episode which by the way was our worst know, our, worst <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. one description yeah um and he had these comments and um and every one of them was spot on mm-hmm. and i uh i said what show you know which show is this guy working on and he's working on an abc show called wipeout yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a huge so, budget show. Yeah. So I write Craig back and I go, you know, he's spot on everything he's saying. But also remember that his budget is $450,000 an episode. Right. Yeah. And, also, uh, it's the worst television show I've ever seen. Oh, is it? I've <laughs> never seen it. It's fucking awful. Oh, I've never even seen it. But Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's got a big budget. It's got a big budget. But I saw that list of comments and things to fix, and so I talk, so we have some other we have a lot of consultants here at the Brewing Network, and in fact, it, this is a good time to talk about how the, the show kind of started. Was you know you you came to me with the idea uh, that they that the sponsors had and everybody else and said, can you build this? And and I basically brought my team together. So you know I had JP and Tasty and Chad and uh, Chris Graham over at More Beer helped us out, and Doc would have been here if he was allowed, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we we put our team together and we you know we came up with all these ideas and some of these guys still help us consult on the show and so I was getting comments from from one of the consultants the other day about different things to edit and now that we're now that we're done with several episodes I I thought the same thing I thought well these are all wonderful ideas but I finally had the answer I usually answer no those are great ideas I don't know why we did we didn't do that and now I'm going. Yeah, we're just we have no time or money left to do it. These are fantastic ideas. I would edit all day long if I could. But someone's, you know, there's only so much you can do on the budget. Right. Right. Now, I don't want to make it sound though like we're 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 cutting corners cuz I I feel that since episode 2, I think the show's been pretty damn good and it's gotten better and better. Yep. It's getting better every episode. Yeah. And the one that was on last night was the best and the one that's on next week is the uh, absolute head and shoulders best. Oh, good. And I say that about every show that's coming up next week. <laughs> every next week's show. <laughs> but no, it really is a really good show. What are you going to say, really? <laughs> well, it's also the budget and the time limit. I mean, we have such good ideas, and we want to execute them to the nth degree. I mean, if we had, uh, you know, our shoot days are 14 hours long. Right. And you can you know, you have to whittle that down to 22 minutes and actually tell a story, and then that's also very hard, too. No. So, But you look at the episodes, and we were talking about this uh, when I was in your green room. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which isn't green. It's the, it's the bathroom. Oh, we'll, you're we'll, in the bathroom? We'll clean it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll clean it. Don't worry. That uh, the episodes when we were all looking, looking at this thing, the episodes where we had time to think about it <coughs> and make it like an onion and unpeel different levels is where they work. Yeah. yeah. And later we're going to look at the ones where we kind of showed up on set and go, um, <laughs> what are we going to do? Make yeah. some beer and we'll shoot it and figure it out later. Well, those yeah. are like an onion too, and they, they make us cry a lot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or sleep. Yeah. That's true. There's been some winners and some not winners. But people seem to have liked it so far. We're doing well on the station. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, so Michael's wife is in TV, too. And I got to see her show. So, I first of all, I, I met Michael's wife at a, at a barbecue the other day. Um, interesting woman. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw her TV show. And she's this perfect example of a person who... Uh, has a life and then has a TV show. <laughs> and on a TV show, she, she's, you know, you're supposed to be her personality, right? Yeah. And, you know, I kind of wish the TV show had her home personality. That's, I'd have been having some fun with that TV show. Oh, that's what she needs to do. She needs a TV show that shows her, the she real to, her. She needs to get on the beer show, I think, with us and just doing some boozy stuff, you know? That's true. <laughs> I think yeah. she might have some fun. Well, you know, the truth is that um, when I met her, she was a bartender. So she got into TV because she uh, was sleeping with a TV guy. Great. <laughs> but uh, my, she always gives me shit about. I can say shit. Yeah. Okay. No. Balls. No. Shoot. <laughs> um, she uh, always gives me shit about my first line to her, which was, "I walked in this bar and I saw her and I said, uh, you look exactly like my ex-wife.'" <laughs> <laughs> wow. And she talks about what a horrible line that is, and I say, "Well, look where it ended up. I mean, yeah. I'm married for fifteen. You want it to come years. true? Then yeah. shut up." How did you follow that up, even? What was I the, don't know. I was, I was probably, probably ducking an empty beer bottle or something. I was drinking a double IPA or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Budweiser. Yeah. yeah. Orkins, that's the other fun thing about Orkin on the set. You know, we're all beer nerds. And I can't, I can't count how many times I hear the word beer nerds out of Michael's mouth, because he's not a beer nerd. Uh, now, you bring out a bottle of a bourbon or whiskey... And he'll start talking to you. But the beer thing, it's funny to have a producer on a beer show who, you know, he kind of gives a shit insofar as how we're going to make it look good on TV. But other than that, he's like, yeah, what's the lightest beer that you guys are pouring here at Lagunitas? <laughs> Out of the closet. Well, also, I'm around you guys, and then people come up and start talking to me about stuff. Hey, do you think? Do you, what do you think about the uh, mash time on this? And what do you think? I'm like, what, I don't know. Fucking idea. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Just go, whatever you want to do. I think that's great. We were, at, we, were at, uh, we were filming at UC Davis at their brewing program last night. And at one point late in the day, we're in the, we're in the lab, and we're doing some lab work. And uh, one of the lab guys comes up and starts asking Michael questions, and Michael doesn't know. And he goes, you know, the, the lab guy goes, oh, are you part of the film crew? And, you know, Michael's the producer. He just said, yeah, that's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even bother. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I know shit. I'm part of the film crew. <laughs> I had nothing to say. I was out. Not to mention, it's like 1.30. Yeah. I've been watching one pot of boiling goo for six hours. <laughs> And, but this is great perspective for us doing a, a TV show. So people ask us, oh, the show's going, going well. Do you think it's going to go national and all this? And, you know, I don't have any illusions about what homebrewing is and brewing is. It's still a niche. You know, all the people we hang out with, it seems like it's the most popular thing in the world, right? It seems like everyone's talking about beer. But that's because that's who we surround ourselves with. 
Going national really requires millions of people to be interested. And in there aren't that many of us. Yeah. And there's then there's just really not. But it's a great perspective to have a guy there who just yeah. you know because JP and I and, and whoever else are we're, we're collaborating, we're thinking of ideas. We still come from the beer nerd side, no matter what we do. <laughs> and he's oh, Michael's always there to go. Yeah, beer nerd. Pretty nerdy. Uh, what? A, give me something. What else? Give me something else. Give yeah. me something more. And we I are think, in a bubble. And I think a show like this needs that because yeah. it's never. We're never going to take homebrewing past where we've taken it if we don't find some common ground. And yeah. this is what's great actually about having a producer. Like well, that, that was our first conversation on the phone when I called you. I said, you know, <clears throat> we can do a show about beer, about really about homebrewing. But who's going to watch that? Yeah. Um, there is an audience, but it's small. So how do we make this interesting to everybody? And quickly, we both came up with, and you guys were great. And by the way, I didn't know it was just, I thought you two came up with all those great ideas. If it was more of you guys around here, congratulations. Because yeah, yeah. the stuff you came up with, the uh, switching of um, recipes at the last second, and all those changes you did, fantastic. I mean, and that's what makes it interesting to anybody. Um, I came home the other day, and Jimmy was watching a uh, show on, I don't know what network, uh, rednecks grabbing fish. Oh, I, <laughs> angler, extreme anglers or some shit. No, I've seen that. No, this is hillbillies <laughs> grabbing fish. Right. And it was, Jimmy's the hillbilly. Right. 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 You sure it wasn't family uh, reunion footage? You guys are all from Mississippi, aren't you? Yeah, well, <laughs> but we didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, even that we didn't do. Yeah. Right. yeah. But uh, you can make a TV show out of anything. Really. They are, but they all have danger. And we don't, we're trying to find, like, we're trying to hurt our contestants every week so that we can get some danger. We're like, I heard that happen, actually. We had some falls. We had some, we had, a, uh, we had some blood. Oh, dude, we did have a little blood. Yeah, blood. which actually, so yeah, last week's episode was a cooking episode. Yeah. And one of the guys sliced his little digit. Yeah. Uh, that never made it in, though. Slicing we got nice. people that were disappointed. It burst his eat, stomach on eating too many hot dogs, too, or something. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to know why that didn't make it? No. Because I can handle a lot of shit, <laughs> but I can't handle people cutting themselves or hurting themselves. And I, and, and if you remember, our the guy, camera guy was in the, at the store, Yeah. so I was the one there that would have had to go shoot his finger, and, and I, you couldn't. I wouldn't do it. You are <laughs> such a pussy, Orkin. Even with blood, I'm like, man, that's good TV, but I quit about 10 years ago. <laughs> at that point, just give JP the camera. He I might sure. not know what to do with I it, should've. but at least we get some yeah, blood. You got too hey, many principles, Mike. I, oh, I shoot pretty good video. I'll do it. Well, that's what I heard from Carl in that first shoot, where he said, hey, I'll shoot for you, and he shot all day, and at the end yeah. of the day, the last thing he said to me was, that's the first time I've ever shot anything. Yeah, but I'm uh, awesome. Yeah. I'm really good. <laughs> I'm really good. I have a long resume yeah. of sh- being good. I'll show you my work. <laughs> it's online. All right. Well, it's been it's fun to work with you, and I, I think the show's going well, uh, but I think, yeah, this whole you can make a show out of anything, I agree with you, but... There's just where's the danger? Where's the you know we got to figure out how to make homebrewing dangerous. I think, and then we might be able to take it farther. A little edge to it, yeah. You know? Oh, you know something. Got to catch fish to throw it in the mash tun. You know, watch the episode coming up a week from last night. Okay, um, and for everybody out there in the other part of the world, you can watch on the website. I understand every right? Monday yes. morning. Yeah, that's the episode where we all got our stuff together ahead of time, and we had an onion that we unpeeled and had different layers. And you tell me, and that will be the one that I'm going to show around. Oh, good. That people will say, yeah, there's a show here. Okay. A little more pre-planning and, and a lot more manpower. Yeah. And yeah, you got a show here. It it's going to work. It is pretty much like an awesome blossom. That's how I look at it. Yes. <laughs> I just felt like from the outback. Yeah. Well, like a you know peeled onion and then deep fried. That's all they had in Livermore. When yes. you went out for a fancy dinner in Livermore where JP grew up, you went <laughs> out to the outback. Uh, actually, I never went out to the outback. It was Black Angus. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a little better. Well, you know. It's slightly better. 
JP is an unbelievably handsome man. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's me, baby. You know it. Yeah. What did you What did you think about JP's Ford commercial? JP and I's Ford <laughs> you commercial. Motherfucker. Um, you know what? I mean, it sucked, obviously, but yeah, right. Uh, I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that's a given. We're on the same page there. It was right. kind of campy uh, and uh, kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. Do you, right. you get this we really had fun with it. Yeah. Would you imagine if uh, I actually tried to do that serious? <laughs> <laughs> actually, I got to tell you, JP, no changes now. Yeah. <laughs> Justin, when he goes to hit that gong, gets this really gooby look, doesn't he? <laughs> I do. <laughs> he gets a really gooby look. Yeah. That's his O face, I think. I felt yeah. that look too. I could feel it on my face, and I tried. Tried to stop it. There was no stopping yeah. it. But well, you can't. Number one, you're hitting a gong and inside a dealership, and I'm, and I'm winding up, and I'm also having to not hit it so hard that I, you know, knock it off. Knock it off yeah. its hinges. Yeah. They told me that I had to be careful. Uh, yeah, I could feel the look on my face. I couldn't stop it. It's the same as sometimes when sometimes on set will try to get me tasting certain beers, and I'm supposed to enjoy them for the camera. And I'm not a very good actor. <laughs> and you can just see on my face, mmm. <laughs> that was yummy. Yeah. It's like when I told you I was pregnant and you were almost happy. That's true. That's actually true. Bebo came in, she's like, I'm pregnant. And I went, oh, that's great. Yeah. And all I thought was, oh, Sam's a dad. (laughs) There's half of Sam inside your vashash. That's an odd outcome there, yeah. It's true. That's a lose-lose situation. A vajoin fill of Sam. Oh, boy. A fufoon. We'll see. All right. Well, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe we can make something dangerous and whatever. Uh, I, I do. The other thing I like about Michael is, you know, he used to work with some uh, some big names. You know, Mike Rowe. Uh, for example, he used to work with Michael. I think he stole all Michael's ideas and went off into success land or something like that. He didn't steal my ideas. Oh. He stole some others, but they were ideas that were old. He, what he did was he put Mike Rowe on them, and Mike Rowe's just unbelievable. And he, he took an idea of, you know, the, the host does the other guy's job thing. Yeah. But Mike made it huge and yeah. is, is, I believe, going to be... He does a nice car commercial. He too. does a better car commercial than I do. And he Justin does, does do that much right now. Yeah. Car commercial. Yeah. Mike Rose, one, if, if, well, first of all, I fucking hate television so far. And I to- Orkin told me this last night. He's, he, I think he, I think it was maybe he's told me a hundred times. Be careful what you wish for. Since this whole thing started, you know, JP and I got real excited, and he just said, "Be careful what you wish for." Yeah. It kind of sucks. Uh, but. Uh, if, if, if I were to do anything more on TV, uh, Mike Rose, one of my adults, man, he's good at what he does. He's comfortable. He's smooth. He, he's not like a fake guy. He doesn't have to do much of anything other than be himself, and he's good at being himself, right? He's a, he's a one in a billion ta- television talent. Uh-huh. I mean, um, the, the story of when I met him was uh, I was working in Memphis, Tennessee, doing a TV show called just what i wanted holiday gift giving guide that was the worst show what was that like ever. home shopping now that wasn't a handheld camera deal was it no, oh it was it was, like it was just the worst it was actually on in, in 16 markets okay but it was the worst show that has ever been produced in television wow and they uh the guy who wanted it produced the big wig at the at the uh, network at the station group says uh, i got this guy he uh, used to do home shopping network and um he's out in la we could hire him if you wanted to be the host and i said well you know, let me take a look at the tape. And I took a look at the tape for about eight seconds and went, sure, hire him. Okay. So we bring him to Memphis, and we go out, and we get shit-faced for two days. And um, we're shooting a Christmas show in 
early October, so we had to get a mall to put out the Santa stuff and the snow and all the stuff in early October before Halloween. We're shooting this. Um, we're just trying to kill time. I'm like, Mike, can you kill some time? Can you just talk to some people, do some man-on-the-street stuff? And I'll never forget, he walks up to a woman, and he says, hey, uh, you know, it's the holiday season, and it's early October. <laughs> and uh, he goes, uh, have you seen any great movies, you know, anything funny? Uh, she goes, uh, oh, yeah, I saw this movie, Seven. He goes, oh, that musical comedy? I saw that. I laughed. <laughs> right. And her face is like. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, He's comfortable. He's unbelievable. He, yeah. uh, you guys will meet him. He's, uh, he's exactly the same guy off TV as he is. On TV, that's what I like about. Uh, it. Yeah, that's what I like about radio. Is that, in my opinion, in the past there has been exceptions, but I think the way radio works now and the radio that I'm a fan of, you just don't make it in radio unless you sound like yourself on the radio. And he does that really well. He also he's got a pretty rad radio voice. He does. He's got a very nice voice. Voiceovers. Uh, yeah. So if I start sounding like Mike Mike Rowe in the next year or so, it, it's not accidental. I'll shake your hand if you, if you fucking do that. Fucking that guy. I, get yeah, it. Just, I don't. Yeah. Know, I don't know about uh, meeting him because I feel like if I ever, t- you know, if he ever asked me how it's going and I actually told him, I'd afraid I would have to tell him in a very succinct and dis- precise manner like they do on TV, or else he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't like me. Yeah. Probably so. I feel. I feel. I feel pressured. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, I don't know. I didn't fish, but I uh, cleaned my pat- cat box. <laughs> Well, the other thing I like about Mike Rowe is that he he, he owns shares now in like all the shows he does, right? Doesn't yeah. he own like pieces of them? Well, he brought. So he, in other words, he's like a you know a billionaire or something. He does really well. Yeah. You remember yesterday when I kind of disappeared and I went and sat in the car and was on the phone? Yeah. <laughs> it was him calling me. He goes, man, uh, this is crazy. Uh, I, I a couple of days ago, I'm with my parents, speaking in front of the Senate. Really, he he was in front of the Senate talking about it's his kind of a it's his thing in life besides the a know, project. The, yeah. His project is to get this country to understand that um, it's still cool to be a plumber and an electrician and all the other things that people have to do. Right, you know, we've we've trained an entire generation of people to think it's only cool to go to college and wear a tie and a suit and go to work. Well, somebody has to know how to put a toilet in. Sure, and the trades are just going away. So he was actually in front of the Senate couple days ago with his parents i'm not sure why he brings he, he drags his parents on every commercial and everything <laughs> great they're gonna have their own show <laughs> but uh that's the kind of stuff he's into and yeah it helps he's got about a 200 iq i think that's the big deal yeah it seems uh, like a smart kid yeah it's more smart. pretty low i'm gonna go buy a ford right now <laughs> i know a place you can write your own deal <laughs> leave here and go go to sunnyvale and buy a ford I mean, you know, ford's, easy ford's doing great and i had heard it was about you know maybe maybe roe being the Rep, but I think it's actually you two guys. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, sure you had I'm something to do sure. with it. Yeah, I bet their sales have jumped in yeah. the last few weeks. Well, well, when, and, and see, it's a two prong attack. There was that one, and then that fucking 3D pin that we did. That's I haven't seen that again. commercial. Neither have I. Oh. But once that hits, yeah. Sunnyvale is going to be the new Ford uh, superstar. Yeah, we. I don't know if you knew that, but the same day we shot the the commercial that's airing now, we shot a commercial with a um, a 3D pen. A green screen pen, an animated yeah. pen. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, the pen is driving because it's, JP and I are clearly drunk. Uh, and, you know, because uh, we just bought a car. We just bought a car. Which is probably the only way we'd buy a Ford, I think, if we were just fucking hammered. <laughs> oh, <Yeah. no>. yeah. <laughs> well, they're not listening. Come on. <laughs> not anymore. Are they? are they listening? Yeah, not anymore. Ford is great, and they're coming back, <laughs> and they are making great cars again. They yeah. are. Everybody should buy American. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank I you. just meant because it's Spoken out of my... like a, t- a true... Where are you from again? Mississippi? Yeah. yeah. Jackson, it's out of my credit limit. That's all I meant. 
I wouldn't want to mortgage my house to buy another car. Right. They're good cars. This is from a guy who drives an Acura. It's 60% yeah. made in America, by the way. Yeah, you didn't spend a lot of money on a car or anything. 60% made in America. <laughs> Jimmy, are you you guys, so you all were born in Mississippi? Yeah, we grew up in Jackson. Yeah. Um, Do you like your brother? Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> you guys don't see each other a whole lot, though. Uh, I get out here about every about once a year or so. I didn't see him for about 15 years. Really? And then he figured out I'd moved to beer country. <laughs> and I was out here every six months. I see. I see. You got a bunch of kids in your family, though, don't you? Like four or five? There were about five of us. Yeah. And then we had an uncle that came to stay for a weekend and stayed 16 years. Yeah. <laughs> really? And actually, he was the beer influence. He would. Uh, we used to sit downstairs and time how often we'd hear a beer pop upstairs. Oh. And when it would be about every third minute, you'd hear. Psh, oh, yeah, but wow. it was un- unrefrigerated beer. So. Oh, because <laughs> he would just bring a stash upstairs and just sit there with it. Yeah, the oh, bedroom man. beer. Yeah, uh, Jimmy, you're home. You're the home brewer in the family, right? Right. How long you been home brewing? About eleven years. Okay. And when did you find us? Um, but you were gone for about two years, I think. I had to go okay. back and listen to the early episodes. Uh, about four years ago. Yeah. yeah. And you're in Texas now, right outside of Dallas. Yeah. Okay. On purpose. Uh, it's cheap to live there. Right. No. So, yes, I guess. <laughs> no. And in and, and the laws change, we actually have uh, beer and wine in uh, in my city now. So Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Stone Age, man. <laughs> we actually now have booze in my, sto- my, my city. <laughs> well, I've been to the Ginger Man up there in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. It's a good good place. That's been a great so? bar. You got good craft beer around you there? Um... You mean local breweries? Yeah, we no, not no. not especially. <laughs> um, but they're getting better. We're getting some good breweries that are going in around Austin, so uh, it, it's getting a lot better. Um, I know some folks that are actually building some breweries. So uh, okay, yeah, it's it, we're we're behind, but uh, hopefully we'll catch up. And how long you been trying to get your brother here to drink good beer? Um, it wasn't hard. Uh, oh, you mean at the show or? Well, just in general. I mean, he's still kind of. It's not that he pushes against us, but he's still, you know, just he'd rather have his light beer. You know, um, wait, wait. You know what? I'll drink anything. I, I, I was at Costco the other day. I bought uh, Lagunitas. Oh, you did? I did. That a boy. You guys are coming over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You bought it for us. <laughs> but no, I, I'll drink anything. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. right. But he, but but Jimmy hasn't been able to talk to you about beer because you tune him out. Oh Jesus Christ! He, I spent eight hours next to the guy yesterday talking about beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought about driving into a bridge embankment on the way home. <laughs> right. Well, I'm glad you got it out of your system, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, it's a, it's you know, it's a losing cause. But uh, he, he'll try different things. He does do that. But spirits are his uh, his forte. All right. Yeah. You're a ghost hunter. Love you, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let me do this, and thank you personally, Jimmy, for introducing me to your brother. It's uh-huh. opened up a, a little opportunity for us, and I hope it goes well. But it really is is from you dragging his ass out to that one beer event, yep. and uh, I really do appreciate it. It's weird how the Brewing Network works sometimes, man. Yeah. You know, just this one person meets somebody else, and uh, so thank you for that. So time heals all wounds, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so right. you're getting over the pain? <laughs> I'm getting over it. And, uh, I'm going to hate you later. If I ever end up liking television, then I'll thank you twice. Okay. And I might even then thank Michael. But He's most likely going to hate it, and he's going to hate all you guys. Yeah, yeah. The problem is that it's actual work. Yeah, it's Well, sucks, that's fulfilling, right? That's like <laughs> exhilarating, right, in a way? You know, I really look know, good I never camera. Can. Stop complaining. I, I love work. it. I don't know why you hate it. That's I great. Hate it. I haven't worked so like this since I was changing awesome, tires, man. and sometimes I wish I was changing tires. 
You still like having to shower that often. You can just roll right in here. That bothers me. The showering uh, bothers you can't me. Just my on TV. I'm having to sit on a schedule. It's the schedule bothers me. I don't like having a schedule. I'm a little more bohemian than that. Well, Bo, here's is the that thing. the word for? It? Is that what they're calling it? Yeah. You're you're kind of screwed because the problem is you got some talent, yeah. and uh, you could really do something with it. But the thing is, what you hate about it right now is it's not the being the talent; it's the being the producer and the talent. Yeah, yeah. it's the, all the decisions you're having to make. If you were just having to stand out there and be you and do your thing, yeah, it'd be a lot easier. I could do that. I could do that. Except I will say this: that if I wasn't busy in the downtime like I am right now. I'd probably be somewhere drinking, and then I then I'd be slurring my words when I had the. Sh- so it does help me stay on the straight and narrow. You know what I mean? What do you mean? You're on set drinking. <laughs> You're not somewhere not drinking. No, no, I am, but yeah. I'm. It may oh, you look like, go that far? It may look like that, but yeah. I'm chilling out. I'm That's having, all I know. I'm having a beer every now and then. Yeah. What I'm saying is, if I had nothing to do to keep me busy. Oh, you would be really drinking. I'd be drinking. Ah, okay. <laughs> I'd just be drinking. You wouldn't be drinking. You'd be drinking. Not like one beer on the set, but like drinking for real. Like, right. You know, right. Gonzo. Yeah. I've never seen so much drinking on a on a TV set ever. <laughs> Twenty five years, there's been more drinking on a beer set. We do, and the longer the you know the longer the shoot that we're doing, the more the more beer. the more takes we have to do toward the end of the of the show to get things done because I'm slurring and, and you know we'd brought uh, a bunch of props for the uh, shoot last night and uh, we were leaving and somebody noticed somebody had gotten into the warm prop beer. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else was gone, so we even dipped into that. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was old, warm prop beer, and we were like, well, it's what we got. Whatever turns you on. <laughs> All right. All right, one more thing we have to get to. Do I have phone calls just sitting on here? I think there might have been one. <laughs> there was. Yeah. I'd pass it to you. Who's on ago. for Drunk of the Week? Nico? Yeah, what's up, dude? Hey, Nico, what's He's happening? He's been on hold for like 15 minutes. That's impressive. Uh, he knows the drill. Um, no, I'm just hanging out. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> well, All put right. yourself back in, man. So what's happening, Nico? You, you had a few to drink tonight? I'm just drinking beer, listening to your show. What's up? <laughs> I don't know. What Did you think that we asked you to call in for a second? We called you, right? Yeah. I'm drinking a lot of beer, and I'm drunk of the week. What do you guys want now? Uh, 500 bucks would be nice. <laughs> what have you had to drink, Nico? Checks in the mail. Uh, I had that uh, you went to Tilted Smile or whatever. Is that, is that, is that like a buffoon? All right, you went to that thing was good. I had that, and I had five torpedoes after that. Oh, that'll do it right there. <laughs> bang, 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 bang. I'm pretty much there, dude. I've been playing Call of Duty. Yep, 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 while yep, yep, you yep. guys are fucking talking. But you suck at that. Wow. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I can't shoot straight anymore. You got to be stoned on that shit, and that's that drunk. Dude, that torpedo shit is awesome. That's yeah, good beer. That's a real drinkable say. beer, yeah. Where do you live, Nico? I always forget. He doesn't remember. I'm yet. in Idaho, dude. I'm in Nampa, Idaho. Yeah, you get to torpedo out there. My address is 495 Art Street, Nampa, Idaho. <laughs> Come on by, buddy. Dude, I don't even have that many digits in it. It's like two. It's like two, Nampa, yeah. Idaho. All right. All right, Nico, you are in the running for Drunk of the Week, man. <laughs> Is I your, agree with that statement, sir. Is your wife home tonight? No, dude. My family's out of town this weekend, so I'm just fucking drinking a shitload of beer. Oh, right. And just fucking chilling, dude, because uh, that's pretty much it. That's yeah. what he does. All right, well, go get a bunch of headshots, bro. Oh, no. 
He done so. He didn't want to hear that shit at all. Yep, yep, he's out of there. All right, Nico, you're in the running for Drunk of the Week. 888-401-BEER if you want to call in for that. That's kind of good because we don't have to hear about hops and rhizomes and bullshit. <laughs> That's true. Never yeah. mention them. Although I think he does have rhizomes on sale or something. Yeah, NicoBrew.com. Maybe. Everybody does right now. Uh, all right, so we have Matt in here, too. And, Matt, you just did the – you helped out with the very first heretic brew that happened yesterday. All kinds of yesterday. It's <laughs> all yesterday. Well, so, typical five-hour brew, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. No I was problem. like, I thought homebrew took longer than this. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a killer, but it was great. Couldn't believe it. Hmm. So Heretic Brewing Company, uh, which, of course, is Jamil Zanishev's brewery, and we've been talking about it for months now as it's opening up, uh, did their first batch of beer yesterday. And Jamil chose your recipe, which you've called Taffle Bully. Is That's that right? right. Taffle Bully what? What kind of beer is it? It's a, it's a Belgian table-strength beer um, done with uh, American-style hopping. It's not a Belgian IPA by any stretch, but um, it's I wanted to use American hops in it. So Okay. So it's kind of the bully of the table. It's a Taffle beer, but it's about, well, at this point, it's uh, climbing to 5%. So. All right. It's a session-strength beer, but with some Belgian character American hops. And you I'd, put uh, Britannomyces on that beer in the past before homebrew examples? That's right. When I did it for homebrew, I would um, I was just starting to play around with wild yeast and, and Brett and um, would bottle condition with Brett. So I would drink most of the batch fresh with the nice fresh hop character and then about four months later have a really nice nice Brett beer. So we're, what we're trying to do is push the Brett a little earlier and get a little bit of both in the bottled version. Very cool. Yeah. How did it happen that Jamil chose your recipe? How did this come about? Um, I have been a listener for three, three and a half years. Um, one of the first things I did when I learned homebrew was to Google 80 shilling and found the Jamil show. Okay. So um, I, I work, uh, at that point I was working at 3 a.m. And I was, you know, had headphones the on the whole time. The company or the time? It's not a company called 3 a.m. Could be. That'd be a good company. Yeah, d- yeah, different company, same time. Okay. But, um... I uh, I was listening to headphones the whole time, listening to the Brewing Network, and um, eventually Jamil mentioned uh, Disneyland, where I work, um, enough times that um, I emailed him and said, hey, next time you're out, let me know. I'd love you to try some beers and help me work through some problems. And um, he came out, tried some of them, and said, hey, brew one of the um, recipes from Brewing Classic Style straight up, because I tend to tweak them a little bit. He said, brew one of them straight up, send it to me, and then I'll know exactly what I'm supposed to be tasting. All right. Uh, that beer took Best of Show in AFC that year. Okay. So nice. when I finally reined my stupid self in, you know, and uh, trusted the Pope, it worked out. Got it. So he ended up choosing your recipe then later on, and it's one of the, it's, actually, it's the first heretic beer. Yeah, it was the first beer they'd done there at the, brew, the brewery. Um, EJ Fair had brewed the previous day, and we got in there and brewed brewed heretics first beer the brand, the next day all right we'll find out a little bit about how the beer went let me go to the phones real quick we have snow captain from minnesota calling in for drunk of the week snow captain what's happening the beer went great yeah great good to hear <laughs> next caller what's that <laughs> thanks, for report. Far. thanks for that report a little far what kind of snow you've been having there little snow captain not Nothing that I don't make shoes. Let me tell you that. Anyway, I don't. I don't make shoes, baby. I don't. That's my new. That's my new reply. Uh, some mojo has been happening. Some big ale and some inversion IPA from Deschutes has been happening. All right. 
I'm looking at bottles, too. You by yourself, Snow Captain? Well, I'm not making shoes. No, there's the, the next-door neighbor ladies outside, too. Ooh, how's she looking? <laughs> Just hanging out, telling you to shut up. Man. She washing the car? Well, the wife's still at work, anyway. All right, let me get this straight. The wife's at work. You got the next-door neighbor lady hanging out. Wearing a good robe. She watches kids sometimes. Doc says, Doc says she's wearing her talk good to her? robe. She's right here. <laughs> you want to talk to the next door neighbor lady that watches the kid? Yes. Well, wait, wait. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we do. Hello. Hi, next door neighbor lady. She's like right next door. I'm not really a lady. I'm a young kind of girl, but. <laughs> wait, what do you mean kind of? Damn phone system. I want to know what a, what a quote kind of girl is. Uh, and that's what I was about yeah. to ask too. Is she like post op or what? I call back know. in. Call back in, please. Maybe right. she hung up. She's like a bunch of creepy dudes. I'm out of here. She sounded. No, she was seemed like ready for us. Bevo, leave the line clear for Snow Captain's neighbor, neighbor lady. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really a neighbor lady. Sounds like a neighbor girl to me. Huh? Yeah, and by the way, when the when the guy calls her a neighbor lady, but really it's a young hot babysitter that's right there. He's banging her. Uh, oh yeah, he's like putting out the vibe. Oh, nothing going on here. It's the neighbor lady. Yeah. She just happens to be right there next to the phone. She calling right now? No, the, the line's in use. Oh, I gotta drop it. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry, I muted you. Yeah, the Did neighbor she? lady. The 18-year-old, he's banging her. Oh, yeah. Well, she needs to make money to go to college, man. What gets me is she was like, right there. Yeah. yeah like, like she was like, yeah. watch yeah. her next That's door. True. In, in that the was his other line. She, the neighbor lady is out front. Do you yeah. want to talk to her? Here you go. Hello. <laughs> Boom, right there. <laughs> right there. That's what do you funny. mean, out in front of your bed? <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Justin, we have several guests tonight. Maybe they haven't seen our portfolio of... Uh, Pictures that have been sent in. Uh, we do have naked listener pictures. Yeah, yeah, those are worth looking at. You want to see him, Nicole? Yeah, I'm waiting for a phone call, sure. When did my brother send his? <laughs> we oh, didn't yeah, get his. Wasn't that shit? <laughs> Nicole, so, I love you. It won't you fit roll. on the screen. <laughs> this one's our favorite one right there. This is from yeah, This is from one of our listeners. Who, creepy uh, zombie lady. Yeah. Creepy zombie lady. <laughs> love it. Yeah. No. <coughs> Boots and all. I'd like to think she just didn't listen real well to how to pose, and then her face got removed and then photographed. JP's like, is that a stick shift or an automatic? What's going on back there? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, yeah. um, He's looking at the wrong details, man. I don't know. Those boots are not very new. <laughs> kinda She's kind of poor. Kind of scuffed. Boots? I'm, I'm, I'm bummed out. that So we, this trend was going on for a couple of weeks where, yeah. you know, Listeners' wives' boobs were being sent into us, and then it's been it's, it's been, been dry. It's, it's been, been a dry, dry spell, again. Yeah. yeah. Although he sent me a picture of that brought all spread out too. No, he did it. Yeah. Why didn't oh, you share wow. it yet? Because it's not saved to my desktop. I don't know where it is. Who the fuck are you right now? That would have been in my porn file in five seconds. <laughs> it seared Justin's eyes. He doesn't want to share it. I don't know. How about uh, Doctor Sarah, thirty six C? I don't know where that one is. Where is that? Oh, well, I got that. I'll put You're away. Useless. Don't worry about that. Let me see if I can. I find thought that, that was posted in the form. Even Justin has his priorities. Doctor Sarah just here. called, but disconnected. Oh, here we go. All right, here's 36C. Uh, stand by. Sarah. Yeah. That's what we've seen, though, right? Yeah, yeah we've seen this yeah, one, and we didn't get the full version of those. But uh, the, she was supposed to show. <laughs> she was supposed to show me these. Send Nicole's breath away. In, yeah. well, in Cleveland, uh, because they live out there, and they, they were supposed to meet me at the Cleveland Beer Festival so I could sign her boots. More like yeah. cleavage land. Sign them good. <laughs> and it just wow. Didn't that looks really a little photoshopped. Out. 
Really? <laughs> no. What? You if you can so? get this on, brew your no, own. No, no, we're friends yeah, with those are real. Yeah. Those look real to me. Yeah. Those are real. Yeah. Where's see, the other one? Let's get to see, the look, meat potatoes. You can see a little vein right oh. there and a little bit right there. Don't are you watching it. my pointer, Nicole? Uh, and, and and the screen, my too? Uh, yeah, those are real. That's Authentic edge sag right there. That's it what I was saying. Town. A little cougar town there. <laughs> That's what you hope for in a cougar right there. You know, a little saggy. Oh, yeah, but like a little a, bounce at the same time. But a little bounce. Yeah, that's what you. That's what you asked for. Where's the uh, Where's the fafoon? I don't know. Uh, I gotta yes. figure out who sent what his name is. Who sent it to me? Oh. All right. Is this the one I was looking for? Oh, I, I thought we were keeping it clear for sweetheart, who's uh, not Check really. I don't want to be here until twelve o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, Dan from Illinois calling in for drunk of the week. What's happening? Yeah. What's going on? How are you, Dan? I had, uh, uh, I started off with like three fillets. I had like three or probably three gumbo heads. All right. And then uh, I started off with the homebrew. I had to write this down because I forgot. So I had. Where are, are you sitting gumbo. alone in your basement right now, Dan? <laughs> Sharpening knives. Skins <laughs> and girls. No, I'm trying to be quiet because my girlfriend's in the room. Let me talk to your girlfriend. He's like, wait a minute, I don't have a girlfriend. What do I do? It's Comcast, and they're full of shit. I called them and said that call waiting is what's fucking up my phone line. You notice when when we have a guest on the line and no one's calling in, it doesn't it doesn't break up, right? Right. Didn't we Skype him in though? Oh, this is who you're waiting for. What was what was her name? Don't talk fast. Neighbor lady. Yeah, let me talk to the neighbor lady again. Uh, Hurry up before the phone yeah. disconnects. Nobody call hey, in. Hey. 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 Neighbor, ha, so how old are you exactly? I'm 31. Oh, 31. Uh, that's not super young. No. God damn it. Man. Comcast. I got to go back to a traditional phone line. <laughs> or just cancel call waiting. I did. I tried. Oh, they did? said that's what I'm saying. I called them and they uh, lied to me about all kinds of things. She just thought JP called her old. And now I'm angry. And this is Sarah, 36C, calling right now. Hi, Sarah. What's happening? Oh, my... (laughs) This is obnoxious. (laughs) Skype in from now on, everybody. Hey, what happens if you call Sarah? Uh, There shouldn't be a problem. Star 69, that bitch. Can you do that? Yeah. What? Yeah. (laughs) Nate just got graphic. (laughs) Try calling her. Or just text me the phone number, because I could do it on Skype. Okay. Let's do that. There we go. Well, um, just right neighbor lady's page. calling back in right now. Do you have her number? Write down her number on the phone. I don't. <laughs> just type it as it's as you see it on the phone. This seems seems so professional a while ago. <laughs> it was. This <laughs> <laughs> is what happened. You think, now, you think you're shooting a TV show on a low budget? It seems like television. <laughs> this is the meltdown. This is the meltdown. We should local, have a song for this. Local television. And now the meltdown. Like I said, like twelve hours into the shoot, it turns into a disaster. This is what happens here. Especially when Comcast is shit. <laughs> right. Okay. That's Sarah. I just sent it to you. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to call Sarah directly. Yeah. So should I not be answering the phone calls anymore? Oh, that didn't work. Um, no, just... Maybe you should. If they're interesting, then take down their number for me and we'll call them back. <laughs> and awesome. I'm call back 100 people tonight. This is exactly how I wanted to spend my night. Maybe we can get some more picks out of her, though. Which is weird. Me, too. <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
eight nine. Oh, I probably shouldn't say it. No, go this ahead. show goes any longer. I'm going to be calling in. Shut up, the week. Nicole. <laughs> Sick of you. You'll just get hung up on. Don't matter. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to call in for Joy of the Week. <laughs> Who's that? I don't know. Whatever. Next call. <laughs> oh, I dialed it wrong. Just talk really? to him anyway. Oh, let's talk to this person anyhow. <laughs> yeah. Where's that nursing home? I should just talk to them anyway. I was calling somebody in San Francisco. That could have worked out nice. Wake him up. Let's see. Let's see if we can do that. Think she's gonna answer? Because your Skype number, when it calls out, it says uh, call the caller uh, number is zero zero zero. She's listening. One two three four five six seven. She knows we're calling that, bro. Uh. Okay. Sarah. All right, hang on one minute, please. You kidding me? I right, give up. The show's over. Good. <laughs> I got no Sarah there. Looks like I have Sarah. That's the right number. All right. Well, keep taking calls. We'll try it again. So far, we have uh, Nico as Drunk of the Week. We've got uh, Snow Captain as Drunk of the Week. And we had Dan, who had like three beers. I said. have uh, Robert from <laughs> Robert from Texas on the line. It's good to talk. Oh, Uh-oh. a fellow Texan, Jim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope you respect him. Hey, Robert, what's happening? Hey, what's up, man? Where Where are you in Texas? Yeah, where? Uh, Weatherford, Texas. No, we're good. Yeah, that's uh, that's west of where I am. Yeah, more cows there or what? Uh, uh yeah, more of the same old shit. <laughs> Drunk of the week, Robert? Hell yeah! What have you had? You know, Michael Orkin here only likes bourbon. Have you had any bourbon tonight? And dudes, have What's you had that? dudes that's tonight? Not. Scotch. Fourteen. This is like the gong show. I like that we're just making eye contact and like sharing our disgust right now. <laughs> it just pisses me off because I solve the problem and the fucking assholes don't listen to me. Neighbor well. lady. <laughs> we have to do it really Third quick. Third time back. Yeah. Neighbor lady. God, nice, nice phone. Just put the neighbor lady on. <laughs> Quickly. I want to talk to you. Shit, sorry. Neighbor lady, neighbor lady. <laughs> Pick up your panties. I'll hold still so receptional. Yeah, I'm sure it's your good. fault. Yeah. So 30, what are you, the babysitter? So You're the babysitter there? <laughs> um, Actually, I used to be his old roommate a few years ago as well. I used to work with his girlfriend, and I just, our kids are good friends. And Sounds like excuses. Come on. We hang out. You hang out. Yeah, what, what parts do you hang out? <laughs> um, We're neighbors. We hang out in the yard, in the house. Is there a glo- glory hole between the fence there? <laughs> What's that? You glory hole. Did he drill a little, you know, hole there? Anything? A little tiny. Don't make hole. me explain it to you. You know what I'm talking about. He drilled something. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me no. how, how many of how many of your kids are actually his? Oh, that's really what I'm getting at. GP. None. Come on, it's not like that. You got to slow. Here, but, um, I don't have time for like slow. That. I'm in and out. Just shut up for a second. <laughs> See? Oh. Exactly. We don't get anything that way, though. You gotta settle down. You gotta. I you, can't. You gotta ease it in, buddy. I, I can't. Taryn, where's Taryn? <laughs> you gotta ease. Oh, good, she's gone. You gotta. It's gotta be gentle. No. Thirty-six. You gotta jam that shit in there. You can't start That's talking true. about whose baby it is. Talk Look, quick. Talk quick. Between the 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 ending credits of one episode of Prison Break and the beginning of another, you gotta get it over with. <laughs> so you got about a minute. 
I two see. minutes. This is how I, JP does on our show, too. I think it's yeah. like a... Uh, <laughs> and then it's done, and then I'm over. Who is that? Sarah. All right, we'll try again with Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hey. Hey, what the hell happened in Cleveland? I was supposed to sign some boobies. Okay, can I just tell you that I ha- I specifically took... The problem here is we're trying it's to like get... It's a joke now. It's like I'm doing it on purpose. <laughs> we're trying to get short answers out of women. Right. You realize that it's a losing battle. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah, ask me I- anything, JP. Ask me something. Say, ask me a question. Oh, Nicole, you are not to. a good example. No. Let me tell you right yeah. now that you are not going to, you are going to prove, go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Way too staged. Ask her I a don't have a question. <laughs> good, it doesn't matter. Answer, Jamie, yeah, she's going to stonewall you now. <laughs> you need your own dom It's like, please don't ask her questions right now, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would just like to say that I thought Nico was very drunk. He was very, oh, are you trying to put us yes. back on track? Yes, yes, I am. She's glaring at you. Yeah, Doc was wondering about the feedback. Is there a feedback question? Oh, shit. Oh, I, yeah, I, I got to do some, we got some, reads. some live reads, too. Let's just, have Orkin yeah, do, do a live read. Just do the live yeah. read. Can Orkin do the Adam Michael Eve read? read it. You know, Mike, uh, I was supposed to do the... Uh, the <laughs> I might as well just kiss that sponsor goodbye. Well, I was supposed to do it at the beginning of the show again. Did you get my message telling you, don't you need to do some live reads? No, I didn't get that. Oh, yeah, I did that. All right, well, we're going to make up for it by... Make sure we order shit, right? Yeah, I ordered shit yeah. from them this week, man. Oh, they should be happy. Ahead. What'd you order? Thanks for admitting that. I bought a whole crate of dildos. I'm going to bring them in here and put them on the table. <laughs> you did? Yeah. I'm going to turn them into opener. Yeah. We'll put bottle openers <laughs> in. Those are gifts for BNA, uh, the BNA for They don't listeners. even comment, Nicole. <laughs> we should get some of those, man. I advise against it. I, so Nicole's the, giggling. She's going to steal them all or something. The part of me that knows that we need money in our bank account wants me to do this live read normally and, and insert it back in the beginning of the show. Yeah. The part of me that really likes radio just insert. wants to give it to Orkin. That's what I'm saying. I give it to him. Just have him read it. it. All right. The part that I'm crossing out here. Orkin. I got neighbor lady on the phone again. Well, just forget it. Did you get her number? Um, I can. She called in directly from her phone. Get her phone number. And tell her to stay off the phone, and I'll call her back on Skype. Okay. And tell her to answer the fucking phone. Okay. Right. Quickly. All right. Orkin, in your best uh, whatever, whatever you do, um, <coughs> read us this uh, uh, live read. This is a little awkward. I, uh, I don't know how to read. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you know, he can't read. I, I didn't know if y'all knew that. <laughs> Wait, let me do an intro so I can just like cut He's it back. He's always the retarded guy of the family. I, I got to <laughs> cut it back into the beginning of the show, so hang on. Uh, okay. What do we do? Oh, here we Let me do it like this. Oh, before we go to break, also, uh, Michael Orkin wants to read you a special message from our sponsor, Adam and Eve. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. Just about any. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual that we can't even mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in a free shipping on your order. And no, we're not teasing. I love a free shipping. Yeah. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BN. 
Army. That's B N Army for the offer code upon checkout. As um, Justin was saying, let me do that again. Let's do over. B N Army for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll receive three free DVDs and a free extra gift and free shipping. Just use the offer code J-A-M-I-L at adamandeve.com, which is sort of a mixed message. Wait, no, k- to k- no use uh, yeah. coupon code B-N-A-R-M-Y. Gotcha. Yeah. Just use offer code B-N-Army at adamandeve.com. That's you will good. find out who Michael Orkin is at the end of the show. When we come back, Todd Ashman from 5050 Brewing Company. Okay, good. Now I can cut it back into the, into the, into the front of the show. Are you really going to? Magic. I did it last week. Yeah? Yeah. Are you do it yeah again? But shouldn't that start off with something like, when I'm thinking dildos and butt plugs, you right. know? I'm thinking the- Michael Orkin. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Get a, okay, keep going. We're, we're going to use yeah. this as the next ad. When I'm thinking someone who needs help in the bedroom, I'm thinking Michael Orkin. <laughs> Right. I see it, but I'm not going to take those phone calls anymore, okay. I just, I just can't do it. But no, I am I'm ca- not answering anymore. I am calling this broad back here on the... <laughs> You're hoping, what are you hoping to get? That girl next door? On the Skype. Let's we'll see yeah. if we can make this one. Is it mad that I keep bumping this button back here? Probably shouldn't bump buttons, yeah. Damn it, Doc. <laughs> uh, unless, you're, unless you're two women, you shouldn't be bumping buttons. You know what I mean? Well, that's right. Yeah, see, they're not answering their phones when I'm when I'm calling back. This is the problem. This is making it worse. She's busy doing something. <laughs> Got a man that glory for. <laughs> What's her name? Neighbor lady. Oh, hey, neighbor lady, you there? Yeah, this is weird. This whole thing is collapsing. I quit. We're done. I'm out of here. All right, uh, drunk of the week this week. We got Nico, uh, Snow Captain, and Dan, and Robert. Nico. Uh, Nico. Yeah. I kind of hope that Michael would have shown up early. We can make him drunk of the week. That would have been fun. You got to have some booze around. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's a real bit liquor. It's like none of the beer stuff. All right, raise your hand if it's Nico. Yeah. Well, that's our drunk of the week. Looks unanimous to me. Bevo uh, put up all four of her votes for that one. And uh, Nico is our drunk of the week. All four. Yeah. Yeah. Tits up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Nate. Tits <laughs> up. See, see, Doc, he's getting more like you every week. <laughs> All right, Nate. I didn't think anyone needed to spell that out, but <laughs> a little drunker. But sometimes you have to, and it's usually the person in that seat that does it. <laughs> it wears off. You just sit here for a while. Yeah, I don't know what happens there, but. <clears throat> All right. Uh, neighbor lady, call us back next week. I'm gonna. I gotta go and call the phone company. Yeah. The phone company. I hate the phone company. It feels so archaic. Apparently they hate you too. It feels like it feels like television on a local cable broadcast. You should call them and then I'll call when you're on the phone and it'll drop them all the time. <laughs> See, this is my program. <laughs> Maybe that's why I couldn't get it fixed. I was like, listen, this is the... Oh, we were supposed to find out more about the brew day, but I don't think Jamil would want us to talk too much about it. You guys had a long brew day. Uh, is, uh, oh, hey, look at you. Hey, man. Is, <laughs> Matt, is, the, is the beer fermenting now? It is. Uh, well, we that's all that counts. You it's going to be awesome. Gonna we, be are we going to have some at the BNA or uh, NAC? I think so. Yeah, uh, it'll definitely be a club night. Or no, pro night. Pro night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, pro, no longer yeah, homebrew there. That's pro stuff. Right. Yeah. Pro night and BNA 6. It'll also be at the BN. Should be, yep. party. Yeah. Are you coming down to these parties, too? Yes. Okay. All right. Very good. 
Okay. Uh, hey, Michael, thanks for coming and hanging out with us a little bit today. Hey, thanks for having me. And uh, you guys, really, seriously, uh, they all, you guys all came over to a party the other night. My wife loves you guys. You guys are a fantastic bunch of people. I really appreciate it. Your wife is awesome. This is great. If I could say the things to my listeners that your wife said to me, they would love her too. She's dirty. She's dirty. (laughs) I I think I said something like... you know, she she has a great accent uh, too, and I said uh, southern accent, which by the way goes away somewhat on television. Interestingly, uh, and I just said to her, I was like, you know, you're exactly what I expected. Uh, you know, who I expected Michael to be married to, and she looked at me, and instead of acknowledging that in any way, she just said, "Oh, and I'm dirty." <laughs> <laughs> and I just went, "Wow, that's also great." <laughs> I like her. She's a cool lady. You guys are cool people. It was fun to hang out. We'll do that some more. it was fun. All right, check out our show on coffeetv.com slash byob-tv or something. Go to coffeetv.com. You can check it out there. And uh, you can see it every Saturday night at 1030. We just did our uh, cooking episode, which was pretty good. And uh, we're having a lot of fun with it, so... All right, we're off next week. It's Memorial Day weekend. Go have yourself some fun and some barbecues. I'm going out to see Spare Dad uh, marry his... Spare wife. Fifth wife. <laughs> uh, good for him. Fifth Whatever. charm, man. Hopeless romantic. He's a good guy. And uh, that'll be fun. I have to put on a suit. Oh! Yeah. What about a tie? And I have to read a passage from the Bible. You do? <laughs> I don't know talk about stuff. I don't know whose suit yet, and Post I don't know who's Bible. Maybe you should just print it off the internet so you don't have to actually touch a Bible. <laughs> you think that would yeah. be better? You do well. You're a con man. You're basically a con man. You yeah. do well. Yeah. I'll figure. Yeah. Oh, you kidding? It's going to sound like the holiest, the holiest thing that was ever. Yeah, read. it'd be rapturing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try, try something from Corinthians. Try not to laugh. Are you going to wear your Jesus outfit for that one? Or? <laughs> I should just put on my Jesus What's the beard outfit. on? A robe with a rope tied around you? I'm just going to spread out my arms and go, hey guys, check this out. <laughs> what? What? Oh, what is this? Nails. Who what? even dives this way? <laughs> I'm just fucking with yeah. you. I'm just fucking with you guys. I love my yeah. dad. Just go up to the railing and be talking. Be like, yeah, I'm just going to relax a little bit. Uh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. I'm not even going to get a haircut now. That you- I was going to get a haircut until I thought of this. No, go the, go the Jesus trick. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it. Please use both Carry my- <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. So we're off next week. But the good news right. is when we come back the week after that, we've got Deschutes Brewing Company's oh. Brewmaster on the show. That's going to be a good time. Yeah, we'll be good. Yeah, Deschutes is a great brewery. We'll get some good beer info out of that. Thanks again to Todd Ashman from 5050 for being on the program. That was fun. Awesome beers. Yeah, that was really good. So we're going to go drink some more beer. Doc, I'm glad you made it back here to yeah. hang out with us. Let's Doc's go in do the house. The, let's go do the real part of Doc's visit, which is to hang out a little bit. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. All right. We're going to do that, and we're yeah. going to eat uh, Michael's uh, chicken wings that he gave me as leftovers, and I'm going to feed them all yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm a nice guy. I brought you leftovers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Good right. job tonight.
chocolate porter, cherry stout. Yeah, you know what I am talking about. But don't you give me that American cruise, boy, I want a real home cruise. Home cruise, don't you be the lover that 